BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Boom! What is up, everyone? We are live. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Uh, I don't know what else to say besides the fact that this week the markets have been crazy. I mean, volatility has been the name of the game so far in 2022. Uh, looking forward to more volatility today. We've got Jerome Powell speaking this afternoon at 2, uh, 2.30 p.m. We'll be streaming that here on the Benzinga channel. But before that, we've got a packed show today. I've got a special guest, Kevin Vandenboss. How are we doing? Hey, great. Um, yeah, I was just here talking real estate and now we're switching um, over to racing. Yeah, Aaron, he said Michael Andretti, and I said, all right, well, I'm not getting off my seat. I'm going to just stick around for this. Yeah, Kevin's a big fan. Uh, yeah, so, so good teaser there. Here in a couple minutes, we are going to bring on Michael Andretti, uh, of course, the famous racer, and Bill Sandbrook from a SPAC they are announcing. So real excited to get Michael on the show, talk about that SPAC, uh, the Andretti Acquisition Group. Kevin, the, I, I can't believe it. We're, we're bringing the real star power on the show today. I know, this is great. All right, well, without further ado, this is Ben Zinga Live. Spencer Israel and producer AB. What's up, everybody? How are we doing? Someone told me buy high, sell higher. Let's get Matt Hammond on the show to talk to my POs. Jake Wujasek from Trend Spider. We have a. All right. Let's go ahead, bring Michael and Bill on the show. We're going to get all the details about the Andretti Acquisition Corp. Of course, uh, a brand new SPAC going public, so excited about this. Rohan. Bill Sandbrook, Michael Andretti, welcome to Benzing Alive. How are you guys doing today? Hey, doing great. Thanks. Doing great. First of all, I just want to thank you guys for taking time out of your busy Wednesday. I understand it's a busy week, busy couple of weeks for y'all. So thank you for taking time to, to join us today. No oh, pleasure. Great. Glad to be here. So before we get started, can you just walk us through uh, the Andretti Acquisition Corp, kind of how this idea started, uh, what drove that idea, and, and kind of the goal behind uh, this back? Yeah, sure. Um, about a year and a half ago, um, you know, I was looking at, you know, SPACs were going crazy and, and I started to look at, you know, what, what can we bring to it? I felt, felt that we can bring some things that other people can't bring to it. And, you know, number one was our brand, but also was our knowledge of the, you know, the EV space, the, the sustainability space. You know, we are involved in Formula E and Formula Extreme, which are two electric series. Um, we've been involved with Formula E since the beginning um back in about eight years ago so we really know the space well as well as contacts we have a lot of contacts 
uh, in the space and, and also, you know, outside the space, you know, we have a lot of sponsors, uh, that, uh, you know, may be able to be a good tool to help, you know, um, whatever acquisition we have, you know, with whatever product we have, that may, may be a tool that we could use to, you know, enhance the, uh, you know, the sales. So there's a lot of things that I think, uh, I thought that we could bring to the party. So, um, you know, the first person I called was Bill Sandbrook, who, uh, we grew up next to each other. We've known each other for 50 years and uh, over 50 years, actually. And and uh, he's very uh, uh, he has a lot of experience in the in the public space. You know, he ran a public company for many years and and he's done a lot of acquisitions. So I thought he would be the perfect guy that we could bring in. And also a guy that I know I could trust to really um, protect our brand because protecting our brand is the number one thing that we must do because uh, we cannot afford to have something fail. So, um, you know, I think we did a great job. I think we brought in a great team. He brought in um, some people and uh, uh, we, we put together a great board as well, board of directors. So I think we put together a great team and, and you know, really excited about it. I'm All glad right, you brought guys. that up because my next question was going to be how did you and Bill meet? So I'm curious kind of how uh, how that's been being in business with someone that you've known for so long. You mentioned, you know, obviously there's a lot of trust there. Uh, what's that process been like? Well, it's been great because, uh, well, we, we've done some business together um, in the past. Uh, his company, U.S. Concrete, sponsored my son's uh, IndyCar team for quite a few years. And uh, and then also Bill became a partner in our Formula Extreme team uh, with me and uh, uh, Zach Brown, uh, who is actually on our board as well, who's the CEO of McLaren uh, Racing. So, um yeah, so we've done things, you know, in the past business-wise together and, and our partners already. So, um, you know, this was something that just made a lot of sense. All right, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here. Let's talk a little bit more. Uh, first, I want to give, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, this is Michael Andretti here that won the PPG Indy Car World Series in 91, has tallied over 42 race wins. I mean, that are, that alone is is definitely something to a feat to accomplish. Let's get into the targeted sectors here. So I have an image here that we're looking at. So when we look at the targeted sectors here for the acquisition corp, we can include luxury performance, racing, disruptive technologies, electrification, auto service, retail, and auto aftermarket. With a total trillion, with a total three trillion market TAM here. How are you guys going to attack this process of finding the potential deals? I'll throw this one to Bill. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. You know, before we uh, before we IPO'd a, a week or two ago, uh, right after we filed the S one, we had almost forty inbound inquiries uh, of interest in the SPAC that wanted to talk to us. And subsequent, we've had a number of more approaches this week. So we probably have forty five. Uh, target companies in all of these sectors that you see here. So right now we're going through the vetting process. We're using our financial uh, investment bankers to help us. Uh, the board will be part of that process. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, we're starting to parse it down now and it could be pre-revenue. It can be uh, uh, post-revenue. There, there may be EBITDA, might be future EBITDA. You know, I, I think right now those are a little riskier, but the returns are higher. So, and we're going to look at some established companies as, as well that are currently private, but uh, we have a very, very fertile target list right now developed already. 
Of course. So I have to ask the question, you know, why a SPAC and who is on this experience board? Yeah. Well, you know, SPAC is just an alternative way to take a company public and there's many benefits uh, outside the typical IPO route. So and that's why they were so hot in the, the recent, let's say, last two years, while well, they've been around for a number of years. Now, the board that we have behind us, well, let me talk about our CFO first. Uh, our CFO is a former CFO of mine at U.S. Concrete, Matt Brown. And he and I, uh, I guess we accomplished about 20 plus acquisitions together during his tenure. And I had done about 35 there and, and well over 100 over my career. Because the whole goal here is to find one good acquisition. And with, with Matt and my experience of doing five or six a year while running a public company, we think this is a very uh, obtainable task. Now, the board, as Mike, Michael said, we have Zach Brown, who is the current uh, CEO of McLaren Racing and also the star of the Netflix Formula One series. So people worldwide know him. Uh, then we have Jim Keyes. Jim is the former uh, CEO of Blockbuster Video, the former global COO and president of 7-Eleven, and the current chairman of the board of Wild Oats Marketplace. So he brings a lot of consumer marketing expertise to our team. Then we have Cassandra Lee. Uh, she's the chief audit officer or chief audit executive at AT&T. She runs our, uh, our audit committee. And then we have Jerry Putnam. Jerry, for those of you that might remember, was the former COO of the New York Stock Exchange, and he brings great capital markets experience to us. And then we have John Romanelli. John is a former Bear Stearns and Credit Suisse uh, dealmaker, and he brings an investment banking and dealmaking experience to us. And uh, also we have Michael's father, not on the board, but as a special advisor. And Mario Andretti, he won 111 races, has won IndyCar races in four decades, and the only person to ever have won the Formula One World Championship, the Daytona 500, and the Indianapolis 500. And one final point on the Andrettis, as, as Michael said, their connections span over 50 years of interconnectivity in the racing, automotive, and uh, mobility technology space. Hundreds of sponsors have sponsored Andretti teams, Michael, Mario, his son, his cousin. Um, and that network will be tapped on by us to vet targets, to, to help those the eventual D-SPAC company gain, gain business with those companies. Uh, they might be a source of strategic capital outside the traditional pipe market. Uh, so the, the connections that the Andretti's bring to this venture, it's, it's, it far exceeds what, what any other, let's say, celebrity SPAC sponsor could bring to a, to a, to a SPAC. Got it. So I, I'm curious about some of the disruptive technologies. Um, you know, as, as our audience of retail investors, we have a, a lot of them are very interested in the EV space, in the autonomous driving space. Has there been any interest in uh, LiDAR technology companies? We, we've seen a lot of self-driving companies go public via SPAC over the last couple of years. Um, is LiDAR technology or anything in that space kind of of interest right now? Yeah, we'll be looking at LiDAR. LiDAR got a little bit a little bit crowded. Uh, there's a number of uh, companies out there. A lot have gone uh, through the SPAC process. Um, we will look, but we're trying to find something more unique. A, a company that's filling an unmet need. That's uh, that's a niche type business to uh, and be a, a first adopter 
per se. Uh, I'm not going to discount LIDAR, but there's other things that might be more interested in less crowded space because we do want to be differentiated. The whole goal here is to take a company public, help it with the Andretti brand, the Andretti network, the Andretti uh, technologies on uh, early adoption of, of racing type uh, technologies in the EV space, and then make that pub make that company extremely valuable to its investors. Yeah, excellent. That actually leads into the question that I have. So with the synergy of the acquisition and how will this add value back to the Andretti brand and how can the Andretti brand bring value to the new company? Well, let, let's start with the second part of the question. The, and the Andretti name is is known or recognized by 75% of Americans. And it's one of the, the most well-known or the most well-known worldwide racing brand. So Right now, Michael has uh, probably about 100 sponsors of his racing team. They pay Michael to be associated with the Andretti name and to be associated with Andretti Autosports and to be associated with Michael and Mario Andretti. They are paying to be on his cars. He doesn't have to pay them to be on his cars. They pay him. So obvious, So proof's in the pudding there that the, the brand has value. Now, as far as what the Andrettis can get out of it, well, let's say – we can uh, we might go to SPAC number two after this one's completed. We might be serial SPAC issuers if, uh, if this one's very successful. Our, our goal is to make this one successful first. And I think anything that's associated with the Andretti name is going to be a winner. And it, it increases Andretti's brand value, too, to have a, a winning business venture like this. All right, let's go ahead. Let's keep going in here. So I have some uh, photos that I'm going to be putting up here in the background, but I want to shoot a question here to Michael. So how do you feel that the success of Andretti Autosports, a team that has won four IndyCar Series championship and led his team to 200 race wins? How do you, How is those successes that you've gone through now, Michael, how is that going to play into and translate into this next business? Well, I think there could be a lot of things that the team brings to the party. You know, I think it's another another tool as well. Um, you know, we have a lot of uh, expertise in the sustainability space. Um, you know, we we we're constantly developing new things, new technologies, and especially in Formula E, there's new technologies coming out all the time. Which uh, you know, we will be able to vet some of those things out before they even hit mainstream. So. Um, you know, I think there's things like that we bring, you know, as well as, you know, depending on what product it is, maybe it can, the racing can even be a test bed for the product, you know. So there's there's so many different ways that the team could be involved to to help. Right, um, Michael, so, so as one of the founding members of Formula E, how do you see the move into sustainability, into racing? I mean, you know, race cars and sustainability usually aren't a lot of times in the same sentence. Um, could we potentially be looking at alternative fueling down the road as a company target? Alternative what? Sorry. Alternative fueling. Yeah, I mean, it, it, for sure. You know, maybe it's not even electric. Maybe it's hydrogen or, or some other type of biofuel that, uh, you know, is good for the environment. So, um, yeah, I think racing is going to be that way. Um, I don't think you're going to see you know, gasoline being used much longer in the cars. I think there's going to be some sort of alternative fuel. If it's not electric, you know, it could be hydrogen 
like I said, or some sort of biofuel for sure. I'd imagine that would have a lot of pushback from certain fans, you know, to, to see race cars be powered by something other than gasoline. Um, but, but I want to ask like a couple, uh, a couple more general questions about racing. Um, you know, we've seen, uh, an increase in interest in the United States for F1 for IndyCar over the last, you know, few years. Is this, uh, in your mind, Michael, uh, attributed to the Netflix series, or is there, or was the interest growing before that series came out? Well, for sure, for Formula One, the Netflix series did wonders for that here in the U.S. Um, no question about it. IndyCar racing's been steadily going upward, um, so you know I think that they're they're a little different the way the reason why people are watching them. But I think uh, you know Formula One for sure, Netflix and and IndyCar. I think it's just because it's a great series and. And it's just creating more and more interest. You know, I think the racing is is probably some of the best in the world. All right, I'm going to see if we've got any good questions in the chat. Um, I've got my buddy Kevin here. He's a big fan, Michael. I think he's got a couple questions for you. Great. Oh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's an honor to be here to get to, to speak with you. Um, Thank you. I, I'm just curious, you know, with, um, you know, Formula E, that's, you know, that's really cool. That's a, you know, a really neat innovation in racing. Um you know, I think that helps, you know, obviously I think capture, you need, you know, keep bringing in new fans, of course. Um, how, you know, how is that, you know, trending? I mean, in, in popularity, I mean, is that, you know, how is that gaining traction right now? It's, it's gaining a lot of traction worldwide. Um, you know, because it, our cars are very quiet, um, we're able to race in uh, places that you never thought there could be races, you know, uh, in downtown cities, uh, you know, Paris, your downtown uh, London, New York, these are places that with the normal race car, with the noise, you wouldn't be able to have those events. So it's very unique in that way. So it's been a great way to get out the sustainability uh, message as well, you know, taking taking it right downtown of these, these great cities worldwide. So, um, you know, I think it's definitely going in the right direction. I think it's gaining traction uh, all around the world. And I think it's created a lot of new fans as well. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of fans out there that are really following the series just because of what it's doing for the environment. That makes a lot of sense. That's really cool. Um, my, my last question, I guess, um, you know, what kind of racing are you still doing? I mean, I, I can't imagine you just totally <laughs> gave up the thrill getting behind the wheel of anything anymore. No, I'm, I'm no, I, I haven't been behind a race car since shoot. Uh, I think my last race was 07. Uh, so, okay. um, no, I haven't, uh, too busy on everything else and not in, not in racing shape. So if I got in a race car now, I'd be really upset at myself because I probably couldn't even make it a lap without <laughs> falling out of seat. So. All right. Fair well, of course, you know, one thing I'd say, you're probably racing towards this company right now. So That's definitely we'll That's give a race. The, it's a different type of race. Different type of race. But you got the experience, and that's what matters there. So definitely right. we're, we're expecting what? A race win, a podium. I'll be looking for it. Oh, yeah, we're looking for the win. Yep, that's what I want to hear, guys. Of course, the ticker is here, WNNR. You guys can check it out. It's also trading on warrants. Of course, go ahead and check that out. We got Bill Sandbrook here, Michael Andretti from the Andretti Acquisition Corp. If you guys got a question, throw it on up. I know AB has one that he wants to go ahead and hit. I'll let it. I'll shoot to AB. Yeah, this one's more, uh, probably more for Michael, but Bill, feel, feel free to hop in. Um, if I'm just going out, you know, go-kart racing with my buddies or something. What's one piece of advice you have for me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. It depends. Are you serious? Are you looking at it to be, 
you know. Oh, like I want to win. Thing. I'm serious about. I'm serious about winning, but we're not serious about. No, like we'll go. We'll go to the go karts like once or twice a year, maybe. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. So you're just going to have fun then, right? <laughs> yeah, but I still want to win. <laughs> if you're only going twice a year, well, it depends on who you're racing. <laughs> if you're racing guys that race every day, you might have a little bit of a problem. So I think, you know, racing. You know, you have to. You know, you have to. It's all about putting miles on being in the car all the time, learning the technical side of it, uh, you know, what makes a car go fast, even a go-kart as well, you know. Uh, um, so, you know, it's not something, if you're going to get in and you want to be competitive, you, you can't just do it, you know, halfway. You have to, you know, totally uh, put every ounce of effort into it. All right, maybe the next time I go, I'll just watch some of your highlight videos and that will get me there the right yeah. mood. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Bill, <laughs> I'm curious about your uh, your opinions on Michael's accomplishments as a businessman. Oh, it's I think he's one of the most accomplished businessmen in in the history of his sport. I mean, I, I put him, you know, Roger Penske has been very successful, but I don't think Roger won 42 car races. So as far as a, you know, a, a, a champion, an IndyCar champion, what Michael's put together with all of his all of his teams, uh, Extreme E, Formula E. Indie car, uh, indie lights, and Michael. There's, I know there's there's other ones that you participate in, uh, and to be able to, I think he has 170 employees right now in Andretti Autosports and Andretti Technologies. He owns over 100 gas stations in California that are experimenting in hydrogen fueling for 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 commercial vehicles and passenger vehicles. So he, he's not only a very successful businessman in a in a pretty difficult business. But he's on the cutting edge of, of technological advancement within the mobility space as well. So I, I think he's super. I just got a last question. I know it's not included in the target sectors here, but one thing that I'm just thinking, and I just can just put it mm -hmm. forward, the Andretti brand, you know, has a lot of touching in plenty of different leagues and racing. Why not maybe some sports media here? Well, <laughs> we have some, ah, there you go. I got a little some, smile out there. Some, well, we do have some inbound, uh, some inbound uh, approaches from those type of. We'll call uh, them perspectives. And, and, and from mm -hmm. some data analytic companies that are doing high end data analytics for racing and mobility. So we, we actually put out a broad net there uh, to encompass those. But we have had some interest. <laughs> we'll see what happens, right? Mm -hmm. There you guys have it. <laughs> All right, guys, this was Bill Sandbrook and Michael Andretti here from Andretti Acquisition Corp. You guys check out the ticker. The ticker is, of course, WNNR. And we'll, we'll have you guys back when we get the company, right? All right. Good. For Got sure, it. man. All right, Appreciate guys. It. Thank you, guys. <laughs> See you thank guys. you guys again. Thank for you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great. All right, guys, that was Bill Sandbrook and Michael Andretti of the Andretti Acquisition Corp. Of course, the ticker WNNR. Go check that out. That's super exciting. I don't know if we've ever had a bigger guest on this show, honestly, than, than Michael Andretti. I mean, absolute racing legend. Um, glad we, we had Mitch and Kevin able to join us. Let me go ahead and bring my buddy Spencer on. Spencer, how are we doing? Wait, am I on? Yeah, you're on. Oh, what's up? Guys, fantastic, fantastic job. Kevin, I can tell you're a little nervous there. I could tell. Kevin oh, yeah. Was... I'm like, uh, like uh, a starstruck there. 
Yeah, Kevin, Kevin, it wasn't a plan for Kevin to be on with this interview. I just mentioned him offhandedly. Oh, we're having Michael Andretti come on. And Kevin said, oh, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I said, okay, hang out with us. Uh, you know, yeah. this will probably be uh, one of your only chances to get to speak to Michael. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Who knows? Well, Who knows? I, I, I did not get to hear the answer to the question when you asked Bill what his assessment of Michael's business, business acumen was. Um, but I thought that was a funny question. Yeah, well, because we think about Bill being the businessman and right. Michael being the the sports guy, the racer, um, but really Michael is a, is an accomplished businessman in himself. So I was curious from from Bill's standpoint, who has been the CEO of a public company, kind of what he thought of, yeah. um, y you know, Michael's adventures into the business space, and that's something we're seeing more and more these days is athletes getting into business, um, and, and it's not all the time even after their career. Uh, you know, we, we're seeing more athletes get into business yep. ventures while they're still in the league. You know, whether it's it's Kevin Durant and his venture capital firm or um, Tom Brady and FTX. You know, these guys are, are making moves. I think they're seeing that, hey, look, we have a platform. We have some money. We, we have bigger things we can do outside of just our our sport. Yeah, yeah. It, the the days of just being like a a, a name, like a like a sponsor sponsor a product and be or like endorse a product and like being a name attached to commercial. I think those days are likely over, right? Like for athletes, yep. for athletes and celebrities, they want to be more involved. Um, all right, guys. Well, that was fun. Let us know. You know, if you guys have any feedback on the interview, hopefully we'll get Bill and Michael on again soon. Anytime they have updates with the company, we'd love to have them back on. Uh, and any more celebrities you want us to have. You know, uh, any athletes you want us to have, drop drop it in the chat. I'm just curious. I mean, Paris Hilton's been talking a lot about NFTs. Maybe we get Paris Hilton on. She was on a talk show. She gave out NFTs to the audience. Yeah, uh, I think it was I, Fallon. I kind of her, like her and Fallon both bought like a crypto. If, if I was a holder of one of those NFTs, I'd be kind of, I wouldn't Can, feel great about that, you know? And like at that point, it's not cool. Once it's like on Jimmy Fallon and like everyone's parents are watching it, it like goes from it, it becomes not cool. I I would just say like Paris Hilton is low key like a fantastic businesswoman. Oh, hundred percent. She's, she's amazing. But you're right. The fact, that, the fact that it's on Fallon is no dice. Sorry. But yeah, like, it's like once like Dogecoin goes on SNL, it's like all right, this uh, yeah, joke has been has yeah. has been played out. Yeah. All right. Uh, I want to get to it. So here. Uh, I, I want to get to the chat. I want to get to the rest of our show. Uh, we got a lot coming up here. We're going to have uh, an, uh, an in-studio guest. We're going to have uh, Casey Hubris from uh, Rocket uh, Mortgage. He's their chief marketing officer. If you've been watching this show for the past week or so, you've seen the uh, the QR code on the top right-hand corner. There, there it is right now. Uh, we're talking Super Bowl squares with Casey Hubris. Uh, that'll be at 1230. Um, I'm very excited for a 1 o'clock guest. Uh, you guys follow Sentiment Trader on Twitter, at, at Sentiment Trader. I do. He's an amazing follow. Uh, I say he, they, their firm, Sentiment Trader is with one D. We're gonna have Dean Christians on it at one o'clock. He's an analyst at Sentiment Trader, uh, so that'll be. They got some great insights on the market. We'll have Jesse Kaler on uh, uh, at the end of the, the end of the one o'clock hour. Um, that Keith wants Josh Brown on. We could we could probably do that. We could Keith, swing that. Keith, we can arrange that. Uh, the problem, so the problem with Josh Brown is he's often on CNBC at the same time that we're on this show, so we'd have to figure out a work around there. But we we can arrange Josh Brown. Um, All right. So what else, uh, Kevin? Anything on your radar for today? Kevin's just chilling. 
just chilling. I'm just chilling. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm not usually in the office. It's kind of a special occasion today, so I'm just going to be here. Yeah, if you, guys, if you guys didn't check out, um, oh, I guess my take was, was completely wrong. Chris Kaji saying board apes have doubled since the, all right, fair. Hand up, I was wrong on that. Um, if you guys didn't catch Kevin uh, uh, about an hour ago on the List Maker show, we had a great uh, show on alternative investments. I'll drop the link in the chat that you guys should check out if you have if you weren't watching live while that was going on. Definitely, uh, but yeah, definitely. Kevin, it's great to have you in, in office, in studio. Kevin made a trek from uh, from Lansing, right? So about an hour and a half. Yeah, about that. Nice. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, nice and early, negative six degrees when I left the house. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was uh, – I, I, I did the weather app check this morning where it tells you it's, like, four degrees, but then it says it feels like it's, like, negative five. Yeah, I had that this morning. Yeah. It was no fun. I, I was in my car. Dude, it took, like – I was literally in my car for, like, 15 minutes before it finally warmed up. Oh, but um, – wait, do you sit in your car or do you just go? I just go. <laughs> Yeah, okay, that's a, that's a, that's an annoying. I'm person. saying I was like on the highway, and usually like oh. once you're on the highway, it heats Fine. up a little bit faster. But then like still like mainly it was like the steering wheel itself was still like freezing cold. I think I need some like driving gloves. Yeah, you, you, guys, you guys seen that meme? I think it's um, you know the, the air hurts my face. Why do I live somewhere where the air hurts my face? No, I don't think I have it. I will no. say, I will say, politics aside, I love like wearing a, a mask on my face in the cold outside. <laughs> what like, it keeps my face warm? Like a ski mask? No, no, like a like a COVID mask, like oh, a surgical oh. mask. Like when you're walking outside with one of those masks on, your my face is warmer than it would be if I didn't have the mask on. So I feel like I'll get these like dirty looks. People are like, "Why are you wearing a mask outside, like walking alone?" And it's like, because my face is warm. I like it. That's a fair take. Yeah, the other fair good take, hack. life hack. The other fair take is that you don't have to cover your mouth when you sneeze if you're wearing a mask. So which oh, is see, of... I hate that because I always like uh, exude like stuff and then it gets stuck in the mask and it's gross oh well that's a problem yeah, yeah. all right my it's... sneezes are, are very rarely like dry um yeah. but enough yeah. of that uh let's talk about the markets for a second so yesterday you know we've had volatility has been the name of the game all 2022 i mean it seems like every day the markets are up two percent the next day they're down three percent and the day after that they're up three percent um then it's down of course on monday we saw all this movement within the day where that's s p 500 was down four percent Midday mm -hmm. finished in the green, uh, kind of a, a historic move, right? We looked back, and that ha that has only happened uh, about what eight or nine times in market history. The time before that, the previous time before that, wasn't since two thousand and eight. November of two thousand eight was the last time we saw a move like that in one day in the market. So if you're out there trading, I mean, this volatility has just been extremely. It, it's been fun. It, it's been crazy. It, it's less fun if you're just a long term investor. You're seeing some of your your holdings down that much and up whatever but if you're trading in and out i mean these markets have been great for that look at all the green on the screen right there um the the top of the screen that that top row says it all microsoft right Let me so let, let, let's talk about spencer the the my trades yesterday well david green was on i was talking about microsoft calls yeah. um, i ended up getting into some apple calls which were kind of similar to the microsoft calls right apple and microsoft often trade together but uh, you guys can ask Spencer. So yesterday after the close, Microsoft, of course, uh, <laughs> this was funny. Yeah, reported earnings, and uh, so the numbers came out right after the close. The stock goes down four or five percent. 
I'm freaking out because I'm like, God, Spencer, like, why'd you let me buy those calls? The, the stock's down, you know, the markets, we've been in a bear trend in, in NASDAQ. Why, why would I buy calls, right? And so I'm freaking out. Finally, the guidance comes out. The stock reverses. Not only does Microsoft stock reverse, but the guidance, it caused the whole futures market to flip. So we went from one hour looking like, oh my God, Microsoft's going to open down 5%. Tech's going to look weak. I mean, Barron's even posted an article saying uh, the market's going to be down again tomorrow. Blame Microsoft. And it's like, wait, hold up, guys. Just wait a second. Because the guidance, we've talked about this before, the guidance is really what matters because it's not what the company has done in the previous quarter. It's what the company is going to do in the following quarter, the quarter after that. Um, So I don't know about you guys, but I was pumped that we – ended up getting that strong guidance. Can I read you uh, this note uh, from Wedbush that, that came out uh, this morning? This was really interesting. Uh, so look, the, it speaks to a larger conversation, frankly, about, about earnings, about numbers versus what the, what the stock is doing like versus the price action. Um, and to be clear, you know, we were watching the, if you're watching us, uh, our channel last night, you, you were probably watching the Microsoft earnings call because we were streaming it uh, and they were, they were giving guidance on the call. We were just waiting for it, waiting for it. And they gave their guidance and the stock ripped higher. And I, I want you to ignore everyone, ignore those random wicks, those random, ignore that. Those aren't real. Um, you want to pay attention to the, you know, the, the, the this rally. So at, Voodoo, I, uh, so Voodoo saying when one stock moves the market, the market is in trouble. I, I agree, but to to be fair with this yesterday, I mean, Microsoft is the first out of the big uh, FANG stocks. Well, I guess what? Netflix reported a couple weeks ago. But either way. Netflix almost doesn't count anymore. No yeah, offense. Netflix almost doesn't count. We're, we're, we're talking about like my, Microsoft, Apple, yeah. um, you know, those companies they're all going to respond to, to the, whoever the first one of them is to report earnings. Yeah. So because Microsoft reported strong earnings and the stock was trading higher after it, all those other stocks are going to follow, which of course we know how weighted those stocks are in the NASDAQ, in the S&P 500. So I, I don't really see it as like, oh, Microsoft moving the whole market. I just see it as that's the takeaway from this earnings report uh, yeah. that now if, if Apple, the groundwork has been laid, right? If Apple reports great earnings, um, yeah, I expect the stock to be moving higher. Voodoo, if if you, if you don't like that, then you're not you're gonna hate what I'm about to read. This is from a Wedbush note that was published last night after their earnings report. This is from Dan Ives. He's our tech analyst. He covers Microsoft. I'm I'm gonna read you um, just straight from the note. There are some moments in the financial markets that are pivotal and historical when put into context. For example, Diamond's J.P. Morgan conference calls and handholding in the financial crisis during 2008 2009. Last night was one of them when in a white knuckle market with the whole street, regardless of what sector you cover, value, growth, where you live in the world, watching Microsoft's earnings with a close eye, Nadella and co gave a robust cloud guidance quote for the ages that will calm street nerves this morning. And it was a bullish data point for Microsoft and importantly, the whole tech sector moving forward. Now, when I read that, I thought, okay, that that may be a little much. That may be a little much. I, I don't know how meaningful last night's call was in the grand scheme of things, but clearly it was meaningful. But Dan Ives from Wedbush is, is circling last night as like a moment to remember. Whether he's right, I guess only time will tell. Um, but Voodoo, to, to your point, that's, that's the mood that's out there, right? These opinions from these analysts 
they they reverberate, right? They don't happen in a vacuum. Uh, so when you consider what Microsoft did during the call, what the whole market did during the call, what the market's doing today, it's not unreasonable to say that. The market is up today, and it turned during the Microsoft call. Was it a moment to remember in history? Was it a, was it cloud guidance for the ages? I don't know. But you can't argue with the with the price. You can't argue. I, with I think the bottom line is it's not it, it's not alone the fact that Microsoft reported good earnings that the the whole market kind of responded well to that. It's the fact that uh, the implication of it that hey look, uh, you know in this environment, it, these stocks are still like I, there's no other yeah. stock. We talked about this yesterday, right? Microsoft's PE it was lower than uh, Costco's. It's like, which one would I rather buy right now, Microsoft or Costco? It's easy, Microsoft. And, you know, I, all credit, you know, to, to Bill Gates, Steve Ballmer, of course, but... No, 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 Steve Ballmer. <laughs> Steve Ballmer was the CEO from 2000 to 2015 where the stock didn't do jack, jack. all right, so... Well, I think he... Okay, that's fair. I was just going to... I was going to give credit to Nadella because I feel like his... Uh, I don't know if he gets enough credit. Like I was looking at the chart. He came in in, in 2014, uh, seceded Bomber, of course. The stock has just been insane since then. And like you said, Spencer, the stock wasn't doing anything before then. Like this guy took, at the time, Microsoft in 2014 was kind of seen as like a not dying tech company, but it wasn't seen as as what it is today. And that's one of the top three technological like leaders in the world and, and was able to kind of um, revitalize the company and really, I mean, you you cannot speak highly enough of Microsoft's move, which I, I believe was made under Nadella to get into the cloud space with uh, Azure. And, and yeah. it's to the point where Microsoft is really Amazon's only competitor on the cloud space, in the yeah. cloud space. Yeah, yeah. The, the decisions that were made in like 2014, 2013 around Microsoft, 2015, like here, for, let's just pull up a weekly. Let's just pull up a weekly chart on Microsoft. How far back do you want to go? I mean, the stock did nothing for 15 years. Look at the last six. Where was this dude before Microsoft? I wonder. No, I think he was. I think he's been. I think he's a. Oh, he he was like hired internally from Microsoft. I think so. Yeah. I think so too. He is Satya Nadella is without question one of the greatest CEOs we have in American business right now. If you're judging by um value created because microsoft was a sleeping giant and now they ain't asleep no more so yeah i mean exactly that's what i was saying like revitalized sleeping giant that's the perfect way to describe it they were a giant they were kind of not dying out i'm not saying they were dying out but they lost some of their their glamour as like a leader in tech and, and nadella helped bring that back um so one of my one of my buddies uh Dad, one of the, one of my best friends that I grew up with, his dad is a like wealth advisor, runs his own group in St. Louis, where he uh, at Morgan Stanley, and, and he's he's a really good like stock picker. Like he he manages all this money. I don't know exactly how much money is under his groups. Right? Can we get um, him on the show? Get him get him on the show. All right, I'll, I'll reach out. I'll see if he's willing to do. It. I don't I don't know if he's allowed to. Like I don't know compliance wise, like what he's allowed to do and talk about. Either way, I remember talking to him about stocks in like 2014, 2015. And he gave me some things that he looks for in stocks at the time. And I was like 18, kind of just getting into this. And it's always stuck with me. And at the time, he told me, 
Microsoft, and I think Microsoft was at like $40 at the time. He was like, that's my my biggest pick for the next five years, and it's just gone up like 500% since then. Wow. But he said the two things he looks for, one, insider buying, or not just insider buying, but uh, when employees at a higher rate than average are taking stock option inst- uh, like as part of their salary instead of um, you know, just getting paychecks, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know where he gets this information. He somehow gets it, but it makes sense, right? If you, if say the average, uh, you know, workforce, five percent of people are taking stock out. If you have a higher than average, what's that's telling you is that employees at that company are very bullish the future. They'd rather take the stock options because they think long term that's going to be, um, you know, worth more than it is today. So that kind of insider buying employees uh, choosing to take stock option is something he looks for. The other thing he looks for is a higher rate of spending than industry average on R&D. And that's what he loved about Microsoft, was Microsoft, Microsoft at the time was outspending Apple, Amazon, these other bigger companies in R&D. Uh, and again, kind of similarly, that's showing that the company is willing to bet on the company's future, saying, hey, we're going to spend money in our research and development, uh, you know, not on marketing, not on advertising, because that's how we're going to get our product to where it needs to be, or that's how we're going to get our service to where it needs to be. So high spending in R&D and high percentage of employees taking stock option were two factors that he looks for in, in a long-term pick. Uh, who who just asked, who was it? Golden Cross asked about the stock splits. Yeah, Microsoft done, has done nine, but none in the last 19 years. All their splits were in the 80s and 90s, and there was one in 03. Um so it hasn't been a factor right now. By the way, if you bought a uh, hundred shares in Microsoft at the IPO, after all the splits, those hundred shares are now worth. You now have twenty eight. If you if you've never sold, twenty eight thousand eight hundred shares after all those splits. It's a lot of shares. But um, all right. I also want to talk about Kathy Wood. Yo, me too. She's going viral again. She does it to herself. She's yeah, okay. Here's the thing. I, I'll, I'll, I'm going. I'm not going to sit up here and make these hot takes. I'm going to try to see both sides, play middle ground. Okay. First thing I will say. So if you guys have not seen Arc released in its in its yearly report, uh, I'll pull it up from the deck. Let me try to find it. Actually, let me let me find it first before. Okay. I pull okay. It up. While he's doing that, uh, I'll say this about about Kathy Wood. I don't like it when people dance on anyone's grave. Right. Not everyone. People, no one stays right forever. Everyone knows this, um, and she, her funds have outperformed dramatically going back to inception. Um, however, when you repeatedly come out and say things that you know are incendiary, when you've gotten crushed in the last twelve months, and a lot of people got burned following you in the last twelve months, I think you're kind of asking for it in a way. You know what I mean? I, I, I still own a Kathy Wood fund. I've owned ARKW this entire time, all the way up, all the way down. And I, and I, and I like, like, I support them. But when you do say things like Bitcoin to a million by, by the end of the decade, I mean, you're asking for people to just destroy you. So, okay. He, I, all right. I have some thoughts here. Okay. Go for, for it. First of all, um wait and Sorry, and, so- and 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 you may have to step because uh we're, we're getting uh our next guest is going to be in per in studio in like a few minutes so if, if aaron has to hop just don't 
be surprised if he does that, but just to yes, just, just agree exactly. our guest. Thank you. Uh, um, okay, so a couple thoughts there. First yeah. of all, yes, people are dancing on the grave of Kathy Wood. I'm sure many of you guys have seen on Twitter, it was very popular, a graph showing that uh, Burke B has caught up with ARKK. I, I think it was like since COVID-19 that, you know, Burke B has kind of been on the slow grind up, whereas ARKLIC went up crazy, then then came down, and now they're, they're in line, whatever. If you look at ARKK right now, ARKK stock. Since, since inception? Even with, well, I'm wait, looking at wait, it over the wait, past wait, five years. Wait, can I pull your screen up? Is that allowed? Uh, yes, but that's my screen that I have up here right now is not the ARKK stock. Oh, okay. Um, I'm, this is just real quick. You don't really need to be looking at a chart for this. Even considering right. the stock is now down 50% off its highs, last February ARKK was at about 157 a share. Now it's 73 a share. Even with that, even with that 50% drop from all-time highs, the return over the past five years is two hundred and thirty percent. That annualized. That, that, that was my next question. Yes, thank you. Annualized. Annualized forty percent. If you Dude, bought ridiculous, forty percent year over year. If you that's, bought, and that's that's considering the stock is down fifty percent from its highs. All right, so ARKK two hundred thirty one percent over the last five years. What's Burke B's over the last five years? Not forty percent a year. <laughs> Guess. Uh, if I had to guess Berkshire Hathaway, considering it's it's a lot of Apple at this point, over the last five years, annualized return, I'm going to drop a number. I'm going to say mm, 20%, 25%. 18, 18%. Oh, I didn't even, that was a good guess. So you're looking know. at 40% annualized return versus 18, and people are still saying – you know, oh, Berkby's like caught up with it. It's like depending on the time horizon you're looking at. I'm not saying ARKK is a better buy right now than Berkby. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying to to try to discredit Kathy Wood now when she's given on the ARKK fund 40% annualized return over the last five years insane. is just insane. I mean, show anyone that is trying to criticize Kathy Wood right here, show me your returns of 40% a year over the last five years. Um, and, and with that said, Spencer, like I said, I'm gonna I'm trying to be middle ground, play both sides. There are people, like you mentioned, that went out and bought ARKK at $150 a share, and now are sitting on a 50% loss. That sucks. That's not good. That's not what you want if you're invest if you're managing investments. Um, but I would just, you know, I think a lot of it was out of her control, almost like the popularity of her fund, sure. how, how popular it got, and it became in itself like a bubble asset. Like For sure. people are talking about. Uh, bubble environments, the stock market being a bubble. I don't buy it. What I do buy is that there are certain assets that are, are you could classify as bubble assets, and ARKK was definitely one of them. I don't think it is anymore now that it's down 50% off its highs. Um, but uh, And some of the holdings, I mean, I don't love that Zoom is still so heavily weighted in, in her thing. I, I Actually, I do like Zoom's stock here, but I don't know. But yeah, let's get back to why why we brought this up. Here's here's the report from it. <laughs> Let's get back to the back to the original point. Yeah, back to the original point. Yeah. All right. This is crazy. A Bitcoin worth a million dollars. I say it's crazy. You say it's crazy, Spencer. I'm sure most people in the chat right now would agree that this is crazy. But let's keep something in mind. Again, I'm playing middle ground. I'm taking both sides. People called Kathy Wood crazy when she threw out an $800 price target for Tesla. At the time, Tesla was $70 a share. Not only did Tesla reach that $800 price target, it like tripled it when, when taking into account split adjusted. 
So sure, that maybe that's a case where she just made one of these. Uh, what would you call it? Incin- incinerary. In what incendiary? Incendiary. One of these incendiary calls where incendiary. she knew that it, where yeah. she knows it's going to be, uh, you know, a hot button topic of investors. Yeah. yeah. Um. The, okay, you could you could argue the Tesla thing was like a lucky guess or whatever. But she has a track record of making these uh, what seems like these seemingly outlandish price targets and claims that end up being true. Um, yeah, yeah. She called Tesla her, her price target three k. Uh, pre-split, so, pre-split three k. That was pre-split. right. So now it is. It's way what, past. What Tesla, it's, it's way past that. What we, Tesla doing? Eight to one stocks, but four to one. Five to one, I think. Five to one. So at, at eight hundred dollars a share, four grand a. Uh, uh, so I don't know. I mean, hypothetically, is it possible that Bitcoin's worth a million dollars by 2030? Sure. Is it possible that Bitcoin's worth ten dollars by 2030? Sure. I don't know which one is more likely out of those two scenarios. Um, yeah. As someone in the chat's pointing out, she's not new at this. So look, it it's not her fault that she got wildly popular and everyone poured into her fun. I do believe there is such a thing as strategies becoming too big for their own good did arc become too big for its own good maybe um but if she if you are down with her tesla call she was right and her other calls she was right the bitcoin thing as much as crazy as it sounds doesn't sound any crazier than Tesla at three thousand a few five years ago, which is what she called. So that's what I'm um, saying. I think if you have if if you're taking this claim on its own and saying it's crazy and saying she's crazy, you have to bring that up. That's important context that she's done this before, right? She's had these crazy uh, claims that have have come out to be true. So I don't know. I mean, I I personally like I li- I like Kathy Wood. Um, but that being said, this is crazy. Bitcoin to a million is crazy. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. insane. Uh, yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. This Jay is- Rice, her. So, so she talks about this. She talks about buying companies at sky high valuations. And her point is that on high growth companies, you're willing to pay for those high valuations because they keep rising, right? You could have looked at Amazon and said, oh, this is a crazy valuation back in. 2012 or whatever and it never got in because the pe was 350 or whatever like it's like that's been that's been the case with growth stocks for a long time for the past i don't know 15 years that the valuations have been crazy and they keep rising in value Uh, um yeah i'm not gonna leave or die with kathy just so everyone knows i i the arkw is like six seven percent of my of my of my account and ain't gonna kill me either way so just so just so everyone's clear about that I'm actually not. I don't hold any of the Arc holding or Arc uh, funds. I do have some individual names that are also like I love Unity. I love Roblox right now. I love. Uh, okay, that, that bring that's a great segue. DocuSign uh, is yesterday. We added a few more. We added a couple names. I I said I I solicited ideas for my shopping list. We added Boeing. Uh, Unity is also on there. I don't know when to buy this. I don't know if I should just buy it now and forget about it for a little minute nvidia okay nvidia is a little bit concerning why only because this arm deal is falling through this arm deal is not going to happen it sounds like and that was sort of a like that was nvidia buying growth which there's nothing wrong with buying growth if you pay pay a reasonable price a reasonable price for it um that's not gonna happen now uh it, it seems like so 
But they save $40 billion. Flip side, spin zone. <laughs> that can be thrown into R&D at hey. NVIDIA. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey. see, there's always a spin zone, Spencer. Yeah, that's true. There's always a spin zone. But anyway, Unity is on the shopping list. I don't know when to, what to do with it here, but Unity is on the shopping list. I'm into I I'm into the idea. I haven't looked at the numbers. I've not looked at the balance sheet of this company. I, um, I haven't even looked at any ratios yet. Let's, let's look at some ratios in Unity right now. Do they even have anything? Whoa, that's a high price to sales ratio of 29. 29? Hey, you know what? Spin yeah, zone. but if they do, if think about think they have revenue, they have revenue. <laughs> okay, there you go, spin zone, <laughs> spin zone. They have revenue. Look at that, I, and that's the thing is like that, we'll, we'll talk about these valuations. Twenty nine price of sales is insane, but we could be. I mean, Unity could triple its sales in the next five years. Then all of a sudden, you're looking at a, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. it's crazy. Uh, Matt Middlebrooks is asking a great question. A little bit off topic, but a great question. Actually, it's not that off topic. Does Benzinga have any shows or subscriptions for long-term trading, i.e. investing? Um, we don't have any investing-focused shows, uh, Matt. I'll, t- uh, I'll give it to you right now. Buy NVIDIA and hold it. Uh, no, don't don't listen to him. Um, <laughs> this is not investment advice. Uh, but Matt, we, what we, what we are going to do going forward is I think probably do like a, a couple of specials here and there. I think we're, uh, we're going to do a tax special one day and, and we, we will do some long-term investing themed shows. The thing about the, the reason why we probably can't do a whole show about it is because, um, once you get like the fundamentals out of the way, it, the whole idea is like, it doesn't change a lot. The whole idea is not to be super active so there's not a lot once you get through like the the intro and there's not a lot of reason to like do a recurring thing every oh my god sadat are you buying nvidia leaps you're you're a richer man than i so it's got to be expensive um but we we can do uh we can do some some theme shows or some segments going forward on longer term investing really really all that really means is is you know we're talking asset we're talking like the, the basics right asset allocation what does that mean? Diversification. What does that really mean? Um, we can do a show about that. Uh, not not a problem. Um, when will Powell make this market red again? So Aaron asked me yesterday. Uh, he asked me. Oh, I, I forgot had, to I forgot to do my research on this. He asked me off the top of my head if I knew uh, what the market typically does while Jerome Powell is speaking. Which, by the way, will will be in two hours, and we're going to be live streaming that. Um, and off the top of my head, I, I don't have data to support this, but it, doesn't it usually go higher? I mean, his name is Pompa Powell for a reason. That's what I'm saying. But like the reason I asked that is because like one of my friends was like, oh, get ready for like the market to tank when Powell speaks tomorrow. I was like, what are you talking? Like, what are you basing this off of? Because every t- I, I don't know. It, I have no idea. So yeah, uh, Daria, we've, we've done similar stuff like that in the past, but, um, we, we should definitely revisit that. Do some more value uh, fundamental segments on on the on the show. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's right. Because a lot of the stuff we do is uh, on, is, the to, like, on the to do list, Dario. Is growth. Wait. All right. Sadat, I got to try to understand this right now. It's ten thousand dollars for a boat. You're looking. Why are you looking at a hundred and seventy five dollars strike price? Isn't Nvidia's at like two fifty right now for twenty twenty four? Wait. Did he say? He's buying puts. He didn't say. No, he's buying leaps, which are calls. Oh. I think. 
No. Long expiration. What does leap? What does leap stand for? Oh gosh, long. I don't even know memory anymore. I used to. I used to know that, but I don't. Long term equity anticipation securities. What? Thank you. Where's the P coming from? Anticipation, maybe. Um, either way, I I would look at like I want to look at like three hundred fifty dollar. I've never bought a leap in my life, so I I don't know. I'm not gonna comment. Yeah, Luke and I were looking at Baba leaps. How's Baba doing today? By the way, I'm gonna guess one twenty five a share. Proton, that's oh, a good one six down. It's one sixty. God, this stock fucking sucks. Proton, that's a good idea too. Um, I find different account types to be like ridiculously confusing. Like the whole um, uh, what is it? It's like a. It's not 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 UTM. What am I thinking of? What are you? What are you thinking of? Can you someone chat? Help me out. It's like it's like uh, a, UTM, uh, a, a UTMA, UTMA. Did, did I get that right? The problem is all these freaking brokerages they have different names for sh- for shit, and it p- pisses me off. And whatever, uh, like like uh, what? Yeah, I think it's UTMA is what I'm thinking of. Hurt Scrambler. Uh, what about Asana? I tried to get I tried to get Spencer to to nah, buy in yesterday. Nah, nah, bro. Uh, yeah, he said, know. he said, oh, it's down 8%. I don't like it. It's down 8%. And now it's up. It opened up 8% today. I, um, I love Asana here. Wait, let's pull up a chart of Asana. By the way, Casey Herbert, I think, is coming up in a couple minutes. The CMO from Rocket Mortgage. Yeah, Spencer, I'm going to hop for a second. I'm going to yeah, let you, you uh, yeah, bloviate you do, on Yeah, you do that. On I'm going to look, at, I'm gonna look at Asana real fast. Let's go. Yeah. To, to Aaron's credit, he, t- he did try to get me to buy yesterday. But, but. To go against him now, everything is up. It's not just Asana. Uh, thank you. Yeah, UTMA. Yeah, guys, I don't know about you, but when I first like learned about like a, like a sweep account, I was like, what the, what is, what is, this? what is this? Wait, it, wait, so it's an account within my account where the cash is, but it's not quote unquote cash. It's a different thing. It's a holding what? And it goes from one, it's very confusing stuff. I'm, Again, I'm not a financial advisor, but I, I had a hard time wrapping my head around the whole idea of like sweep account and the account within your account. So that's a good idea. We, we should probably do a show about that. We should do a show where we w- literally someone who does not have an account, any investment accounts, opens up an account and we walk them through. Yeah, I understand it now, Jay. <laughs> Thanks. Um. Anyway, yeah, but no, it, it is confusing to people who don't know. So um, maybe we should do a show about that. But uh, anyway, uh, it is 1230 here. Uh, let's take stock of the market. T minus two hours until uh, Jerome Powell takes the stage and answers our questions, not our questions. Um, I don't know why I have this up. Let's go, let's go to the market here. What do we got? Yeah, look at Microsoft up 5% on the day. Uh that's that tells you one story, but the internet chart always tells you another. Let's bring up MSFT. This is why I always like to look from the open just to get a feel. Hmm. All right. I mean, we're holding we're holding gains, which I guess is is you know even though we're not at the high of the day, we're holding gains. So that's that's fine. You don't you shouldn't shouldn't expect Microsoft to you know, be making new highs every second on a day like today. But, you know, holding gains is a good sign. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Miss Whitehorse opened up a kids Roth IRA instead of a UTMA. You know what we should do? This is what we're going to do. 
we're gonna get we're gonna have a show with with financial advisors and and we're gonna get some financial advisors to come on here and explain this stuff to us especially now because tax season's coming up um we're 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 gonna have some people that actually are certified and know and know what this stuff is and, and and to come on and explain it to us because we are not experts we are not advisors we're just guys on the internet so um i, I did not know that jay rice merrill lynch invented the sweep account yeah today i learned anyway back to the market um what do we got here? Everything green, but as always, there are leaders and there are laggards. Today, the laggard is no surprise. The safety trade with tech on, it means the safety trade is off. Consumer staples, utilities, your laggards for the day. Rotation is the name of this market. I have not changed my stance. I'm still firmly in the chop fast stance that's how i feel this year is going to go choppy let's let's go to the queues go to the queues shop that's that i mean i'm in the chop camp i can't i can't not see us i cannot see us making a new all-time high uh no let's 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 rephrase that i can't see us making last year we made what 70 new all-time highs in, in the s&p i can't see us making more than like 10 new all-time highs this year right and 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 you know not and i'm not saying we're going to stay up there if we do we make a new high we go back down make a new high we go back down all-time high was made what november maybe we get there again but i i can't see us going too far beyond that i'm still in the chop camp in in, in the camp of uh, chop fest let's see what powell says do we think the fed ended the taper is the is the taper over are they ready to unwind their balance sheet or as 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 the word they use now runoff are they ready to do balance sheet runoff we should do a should do a survey in the chat market's saying 5% chance of a rate hike today what do we think about that 5% chance of a rate hike today if that happened how far down do we go if the Fed raises rates today, how far down do we go in the queues? Do we go to 3.30 in the queues if the Fed raises rates today? That w- it, it would be funny. <laughs> they won't do it. But if they do, oh, man. It would, be, it would make for an interesting few days. Um. Yeah. All right. Um, so again, we're gonna have Casey Herbis on uh in a couple of minutes here as a CMO of Rocket Mortgage. He's, he's gonna tell us exactly what the final score of the uh game will be so that we can pick the right square, the right, the right square and win win all the money. Uh that's why we're having Casey on the uh, on the show today. Um one o'clock, Dean Christians. Uh if you guys do not, if you're if you're on Twitter and you don't follow Sentiment Trader, I'm gonna put their uh their tweet their Twitter up right now you really should they do tremendous stock market research like really good stuff and they're putting free free stuff on their twitter all the time um hold on let me go to their twitter page there we go at sentiment trader 
Uh, Dean Christians is an analyst for them. He'll be on the show at 1 o'clock. They do some really, really good an- analysis. Not even joking. Like, they, have, they got a lot of followers for a reason. Great follow on Twitter. Um, he'll have some charts for us, I'm sure. They do really good stuff. So let it be at 1 o'clock. We're going to have uh, Jason Keeler on at 145 or 140-ish to hang out and uh, tell us what trades he's made today. So let's uh, – <laughs> You guys are funny. Uh, let's go back to – oh, you know what we should do? We haven't done yet today is we have not done a crypto update. Let's get the heat map up on the screen. And let's do uh, our very first crypto update of the day real quick before we, we, we bring on Casey. I just looked at the heat map for the first time all day, uh, so I didn't know what to expect. But there it is. Mostly green. What's going on with Terra? Terra's not had a. It's had a rough go of it this week. Down three point eight six percent. Again, this is a rolling twenty four hour chart uh, table. Come on, uh, Adam or Cosmos, whatever you want to call that, is your biggest loser among the largest coins today. Down six point seven percent. ETH. Can we get to three K? Get back to three K in ETH for, for whatever reason. Maybe because that's that's like. I, that's not even where I bought. I don't even know where I bought it, but 3K to me just seems like very important. I don't know why. Maybe it's all in my head. 38,000 in Bitcoin. We're holding that level. So nice to see. Uh, if you guys missed our interview this morning on pre market prep with Mark Yusko, um, check it out. He is a uh, Uber Bitcoin ball. Um, I would say a lot of people do not agree with Mark. A lot of people do agree with Mark. A lot of people don't agree with Mark, but I would say this. Uh, Mark makes the kind of arguments where even if you don't agree with him, he sounds convincing. Is it just me? Like there's things he said this morning that I do not agree with, but he just sounds convincing. Maybe because he's just says it with such confidence, such gravitas. Uh, Mark said that K-Web is his pick of the year, the Chinese internet ETF. He says it with such confidence. Anyway, uh, he's a big Bitcoin bull. Uh, he, so he came on the show this morning to reiterate that bullishness. But Bitcoin is up 2.37%. Uh, Ethereum up 5.84%. Hey, if you want some free Bitcoin, it's very easy to get it. Very easy to get it. All you got to do is go to the Voyager app, download the app, use the sign-up code to Zing when you create an account. Fund your account with at least $100. That's like half my paycheck. And make your first trade. After you're doing so, they will send you 50 bucks in Bitcoin. Check it out. Voyager. Do it or don't do it. That's fine too. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, he said a lot of things that were interesting. I don't know if Mark is invited back on our show anymore. <laughs> to be honest with you. He made a crack about Michigan. Uh, Get under Joel's skin. Uh, problems for another day. Problems for another day. Sorry, I'm just looking at my pro here. Um, we have, uh, do not forget about the roadmap, our NFT show. Uh, seriously, the I, I've like gone around the internet looking for like NFT shows. I've gone on Twitter spaces and I've gone on YouTube and whatever. Um, for my money, the knowledge on the other uh, roadmap, our NFT show, which is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern after the show. The knowledge on that show is 
unparalleled when it comes to NFTs. They they know their stuff. Chris, Brian, they know their shit. So uh, that'll be after this show. Don't forget about that. Um, I don't know, guys. What else am I missing? I was kind of caught up in doing the list maker show this morning, so I don't I don't feel like I'm super up on the comings and goings of the market today. Uh, I think I see Casey lurking in the background. AB, um, are we good to go on, on, on bringing Casey on here or what? I'll, I'm just going to let AB handle it. AB, when you want to come on, just come on. Easy Mike, why is Boeing down today? He's asking. That's a, I, I just said I, I really don't know. I don't really don't know much. Uh, let's go to the, the chart and let's look at it. This was on my shopping list. It is industrial. Industrial is not a super risk-on asset. Oh, that is interesting. Oh, wait, they had earnings. Duh. See, I didn't even remember. They had earnings out this morning. Oh, see, and this is why I love Pro. I did not even remember that earnings. It says it right there in yellow. Yellow box. Earnings. Oh, boy. All right. Well, spin zone. <laughs> Their losses decreased year over year. Not spin zone. They're still losing money. $14 billion in sales. They came in $2 billion light on their sales compared to the estimate. Uh, all right. that that That's all you need to know. All right. Let's go to a daily on Boeing. I guess I should be happy here because I, I'd want it to go lower if I was going to buy it rather than go higher. Uh, we talk about pre-COVID levels. Boeing had their own had other stuff going on though. For forget pre-COVID levels. Let's talk about like um pre-737 max level, right? All, all time high. March, February, March 19, right? Four, four forty-four. How long can it take us to get back there? It's, it's been three years already. Investing is hard. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Wait, there was another issue with the Dreamliner? Seriously? I didn't even read that. I read it so fast. Oh, man. More issues. This, this is the argument against Boeing. They can't get out of their own way. Duopoly be damned. Ugh. Anyway. What, what else we got? I'm going to my uh, going to my scanner. Let's see what we got. Anything jump out to me, Aaron? Just hop on when when Casey's ready, because I'm I'm not there with you, so I don't know. Uh, let me make a PSA real fast. So some days I come in and I see like, uh, and you know I always look at the top gainers and top losers. Some days I come in and I see stocks like BBIG, that are your top gainers at least in the pre-market, off of like one trade. It's up 5% today. All right. So 5% is having a good day. Nothing wrong with being up 5%. Um, please don't chase meme stocks, especially in the pre-market. If you see a stock that is in a trend like this, pop up 5 10%, just don't, just, just don't, just don't. You 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 can get your face ripped off, okay? 
There are there's better trades. There are better places for your money, even, even if, for, if it's for a short-term trade. Okay. If you're chasing a stock like Vinco Ventures up, this is an intraday chart. Um, look, where where did it get to in the pre-market? What the heck is that? Oh, that was that was at the close yesterday. This morning, where did it get to? 376. That was the high at 815 this morning. We're down to 316 right now. Please don't change these things on the pre-market. Please. Seriously. Or do, but you can get your face ripped off. That's just a PSA. It's not it's not just them, it's any stock that looks like that. Don't chase. Especially in the pre-market. It's stupid. A B, are you back? What is up, Spencer? I am back. All right. Do we have our guest here? We do. More importantly, can our guest tell us what the final score of the game will be so we can get the winning square? Ooh, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, yeah, so so for all of you guys out there in the audience, I'm about to bring on Casey Herbis, the Chief Marketing Officer of Rocket Mortgage. Um, if, if you're like me in Detroit, you see Rocket Mortgage all over the place, really anywhere. If you're watching college basketball, watching sports, Rocket Mortgage is all over the place. Um, but the NFL and the Super Bowl is one of probably the biggest event of the year. So let me go ahead and bring yeah, yeah. Casey on and talk about what Rocket Mortgage is doing uh, with the Super Bowl this year. Should we give him the special Casey? intro? How's it going? Good. It's doing, doing great. Good to see you, Aaron. See Spencer. I mean, the beautiful day here in downtown Detroit, though. I was just outside. It's about a uh, balmy five degrees uh, into, uh, you know, here in early January. But, you know, we're on our way to the Super Bowl. I know. Two and a half weeks away. I'm excited. And like I mentioned, like I, I – you see Rocket Mortgage everywhere, right? If you're watching ESPN, there are our Sports Center segment sponsored by Rocket Mortgage. You have uh, there's a whole college basketball tournament uh, that's sponsored by Rocket Mortgage, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean it's uh, you know we're we're fortunate here, and is America's largest lender, and you know we're a big brand, and we're able to do a lot of those uh, unique opportunities and partnerships along the way. As you mentioned, college football, college basketball. Uh, we have our Rocket Mortgage Classic, our PGA Tour event here in Detroit, uh, which is a great event, uh, not only for the tour, but certainly for our efforts and our community. And we started a partnership with the NFL three years ago, and we kicked off that partnership with the NFL uh, by announcing the Rocket Mortgage Super Bowl Squares. It had never been done before, uh, partnered with the NFL. And you know, we believe in doing things first, best, and only. And here we are, our third year of the Rocket Mortgage Super Bowl squares. And it's super exciting. I mean, it's an opportunity for everyone in America, you know, 18 and up, of course, to, you know, sit back, relax. It's, as you mentioned, it's like generally 100, 130 million people in the U.S. watch the game that night. You know, big fans like myself or like my bride and kids, you know, they can't wait. They're usually checking out around halftime, right, after the halftime show. But they're there watching as well. And it's a chance for everyone 18 and up to, you know, have a chance to win $50,000. And we're giving away two $500,000, you know, prizes at half and as well, at the end of the game. So it's an exciting lead up. but certainly day of the game for uh, Rocket Mortgage and the Rocket Mortgage Super Bowl squares. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, the Super Bowl every year, if you look at the numbers, is the most watched event programming on TV. Um, so I'd imagine, I mean, you, you mentioned the Rocket Mortgage Classic held here at Detroit Golf Club. Um, I, I imagine, though, this is, this is kind of the premier 
sponsorship of the year. Yeah, and, and thanks for mentioning the Rock Mortars Classic. Absolutely uh, an amazing event with the PGA Tour and certainly uh, speaks to and, and, and lends itself to a lot of the community efforts that we do. But you're right. The, the Super Bowl, year in, year out, 100-plus million people watch it every uh, uh, every uh, year. It's a global audience, and it's an opportunity to you know be in front of America. You know Whether you're an advertiser or not, for us, it's the opportunity you know leading up to the game, but the day of the game. And what's really exciting about you know, I mean, you, you've been playing squares probably since you were a kid, right? I mean, you always remember like going to grandma's house or your family, whatever it might be, and you'd, you'd sign up, and you know the end of the quarter, the half, whatever it might be, we decided... Like, why does it have to be like any other squares? Why not every score? So think about it. Every touchdown, field goal, extra point, safety, whatever, drop kick. I don't know. Whatever, whatever else, how you can score nowadays. You know, you sign up uh, at com. You get the box. And if you if that score hits, you're in the box. We draw that name. And literally, within five to ten minutes, you're getting a phone call, you know, making sure you are who you are. But... You know, you have a chance, you know, like, congratulations. So literally in the moment of the game, you have the chance to get that phone call. You've won 50000 and we make a phone call at halftime at the end of the game, giving away $500,000. So over a million dollars every game. We've given away $3.5 million so far. And on average, there's generally 14 to 17 scoring changes every game. So think about all those opportunities to have a chance to win. Yeah, and I mean, Casey, you're dead on. I did grow up. We, we played squares. I'm sure a lot of people out legally, there. Legally, of course. It, legally, yeah. And our audience are, is familiar uh, with the idea of squares. But I, I love how you guys are doing it. I mean, you know, it's, it's different. You put your own spin on it. You do it differently. You innovate it. Uh, and it's a lot bigger, right? So uh, j- just real quick, for maybe some of those, for some of the, our audience out there that may not be familiar with the squares game, what are, the, what are Rocket Mortgage Super Bowl squares and, uh, and who can enter? I think you might have mentioned you know, yeah. 18 plus. But... Su- super easy. I mean, you just go to rocketmortgagesquares.com. You'll see our television, radio, you know, digital and social ads all over the place. But if you go to rocketmortgagesquares.com, 18 or over, literally, you fill out some information, you pick your square. And, you know, the date, so the, the, um, the enrollment ends on the Friday, so that's uh, February 11th. And then Saturday, you get the email with like, hey, Aaron, you picked your square. If you share it, you can earn more squares uh, with a unique code. So you can earn up to 10 more. I just did it myself, you know, and uh, for our team member uh, version of it. And you have the opportunity to get 10 squares and you get those numbers on Saturday and then you've got your sheet sitting there Sunday. And, you know, there's your chance. Every score, if you're in that box, we draw a name out of that box to win 50000 and we pick two, uh, you know, $500,000 winners. And phone calls are made and dreams are made and, uh, you know, lives are changed uh, literally in the middle of the game. And so it really adds excitement, whether the game's super close or it's a blowout, there's a chance to win. You don't have to wait to the end of the quarter, half, or the end of the game. Yeah, and I mean, I, I remember it. It takes me back to the days like playing squares in my grandma's house, like you mentioned. And I was stoked as a as a kid to win, you know, five, six, ten bucks on these squares. Fifty G's. Fifty G. What? Yeah. So, how? Yeah. Take us through the prizes one more time. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the with the grand prize total, what you can win on kind of some of the, some of the smaller prizes. Uh, yeah. Just a lot of money out there. Yeah, it is. So again, every score. So fourteen to seventeen scoring changes. So again, that's field goal, touchdown, extra point, safety, whatever it might be. Every time there's a scoring change, right, the score becomes X and X, go to that box, there's a winner. So 14 to 17 times, somebody is winning that $50,000 of the scoring change, and then everybody's got a chance. Everyone that enters has a chance to win one of those two $500,000 prizes uh, that we give one away, one at halftime, one at the end of the game, and, uh, you know, it's a chance to, you know, put that towards a dream home. We work with the GOAT himself, Barry Sanders, that, you know, uh, literally puts your name up in lights, 
uh, when you win. Like it's super exciting. And uh, you know, Barry Sanders has been a great partner of ours, and you know, he's uh, helping us once again uh, promote this and celebrate the Rock and Merge Super Bowl squares. Yeah, and you mentioned that it's it's different than normal squares. It's not at the end of every quarter, the half, or the final scores. It's every time the score changes. Um, so if the Super Bowl is anything like the last two minutes of that of that Chiefs Bills twenty five, I mean that in two minutes. Did you? I, I saw a great meme yesterday, by the way, on Instagram. It said the NFL is uh, announced that they're scrapping the Super Bowl. They're just going to let the Chiefs and the Bills do a best of seven. Yeah, I'd watch. I'd watch all seven of those games. I, my my heart, my heart was like, I didn't have any skin in the game out of those teams. But you just you put yourself, you always put yourself in the other team's fanatical fan shoes. You know, like Kansas City's been there, they've won it. Buffalo's had their heart broken four times in the Super Bowl, but then been clamoring to get back since the Jim Kelly days. And uh, wow, but that just shows the excitement of the NFL. I mean, it's just you know all last weekend and this weekend with the NFC and then you know we'll have two uh teams heading over to February 13th in LA by the way i mean can you imagine if you know detroit's prodigal uh quarterback son matthew stafford uh his gets his year. super bowl <laughs> he's already got two super, uh playoff wins under his belt but you know i think everyone here in detroit's rooting for probably the rams and matthew stafford and you know i think it's going to be an exciting game between mahomes and uh mr burrows and the bengals and oh my god i'm ex- yeah i mean we've got some good football games coming up um, I'm stoked about it, but yeah, I mean that game, I, you just can't talk about it enough. It was they were replaying it on uh, NFL Network Monday night, the night after the game, and I was just flipping through a channel, saw it. I happened to click on it like right at the two minute warning, so yeah. it was perfect time, and it was just hilarious to listen to uh, Tony Romo and Jim Nance while they were speaking. They had no clue what was going to happen, right? obviously. And then when the Chiefs got the ball back initially with like a minute and 50, Romo was like, oh, I think this might be too much time for Patrick Mahomes. And you're like, oh, well, just wait. Yeah. Even 13 yeah. seconds it's is It's like anything much. else. You know, you can't, give, you can't give them that much time, 13. I still don't understand why the Bills didn't squib it and burn five seconds. I know. That. Well, and actually, that was, that's why we're that sitting was one here. Of the thing, exactly. That was one of the things that I noticed uh, watching the replay of the game. Right when they kicked it, Tony Romo said, I don't agree with that. I think they should have squibbed it. And it was like, that was, ended up being a great call by Tony Romo. Um, so you guys can see out there watching us, we've got the QR code up. You can scan the QR code. I also put the link in the chat, rocketmortgagesquares.com. Casey, what's your favorite part about working on a campaign like this? Um, I mean, you've you worked know, on, on some incredible campaigns between the, the Rocket Mortgage Classic, sponsorship of that. We mentioned the, the college basketball. We've done a few uh, Super Bowl commercials. Yeah, we've we've, we've done some good Super Bowl commercials. And, you know, for something like this uh, and working with the NFL and launching we actually brought the idea to the nfl it's not like they brought it to us and hey will you sponsor we brought the idea to the nfl and um you know so one of the things that we pride ourselves here at rocket mortgage is like first best only like and this certainly lives up to it and to me this is something that we work on for months and months and you see it build and the the excitement and momentum build over the course of the month and then it's like anything else you know then there's the day Right on February 13th is a big day for a lot of brands and marketers and advertisers. And it certainly has been for us in the last few years being in the game with as an advertiser, but also with the Super Bowl square, Rock and Super Bowl squares. And so to me, it's the excitement of just getting there and also, you know, knowing that you're doing something fun, unique in the marketplace and everybody's got a fair chance. It's not for a niche audience, if you will. It's, you know, everybody 18 and over can do it. And, you know, what an exciting way to uh, give away money and celebrate, uh, you know, a great day in America. Yeah, and that's what I think is so cool about this, right? You took an idea that's old, right? Super Bowl squares. 
innovated it, made it newer, made it bigger, brought it to the NFL. Like you said, it's not something the NFL brought to you guys. So this this is truly like a, a, a baby of Rocket Mortgage that has now grown as this big thing that has hundreds and thousands of people participating. Millions, actually. Millions Literally, millions. Sorry, yeah, I, I, I don't okay. want to undercut. No, millions. millions. Millions of people participating. Yeah. And I can imagine another great part about uh, this campaign is the how good it feels when you see some of the, the people that win use yeah. this money toward their improvements. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a great story. Is uh, Last year, or maybe it was the year before, um, we called a gentleman that won the $50,000. And he was it at Disney with his kid. He wasn't watching the game. Oh, wow. He was, you know, doing the thing and watching the whatever. And he gets a phone call from wherever it was, you know, and he picks it up. And, you know, can you imagine? You're in that moment with your, your, your children and just, you know, doing the Disney experience. And because that must have been late, right? It had to have been 8, 9 o'clock Eastern time. And he gets the phone call, like $50,000. And it's just, you know, like you, when we record the calls and, we, you know, we have the opportunity to do some storytelling. And it's just in those moments. And there's another one, too, where uh, we called and, you know, you could tell uh, the gentleman that won was well into his day. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, he thought his friends, some, you know, as we say, hey, hey, did you know? And, you know, he thought one of his buddies was messing with him. And then when it clicked that, oh, my gosh, this is real in $50,000. I mean, it was like one of those classic, like, you know, if, I wish we had a camera on him because he just lost it. But uh, those are, I mean, those are, that's what brings a smile to your face is knowing that, you know, we can do this really cool, unique uh, brand, you know, brand partnership. But, you know, that you're potentially changing lives and, making someone's day or, or life even even better. Yeah, I mean that is is truly um, priceless. I'm glad that I'm glad that you're talking about how uh, the logistics of calling someone during the game because now I know when and if I win. I got your cell number though, so don't I'll, I'll I be, might mess with you. I'll be looking for a I mean, for you know who else I'm going to call? I'm going to call Jason Rasnick. You should. Third quarter, tell you what, third quarter, first score, we'll call Jason Rasnick okay. to see what he has to say. All right. Let me know if you need any help uh, facilitating that. I've got a good uh, star 67 trick. All right, we'll do it. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, because I, I'm sure by myself, I might be usually less inclined to answer a phone call during the Super Bowl, but now I'm going to be sitting by my phone waiting for that ring yeah, all, you, all Especially, game. you know, if you're in that square, right? I mean, you've got your squares, you know your numbers, the score hits. You've got a one in whatever chance you have to, you know, be getting that phone call. So you already got to know the first part is you have that right score, and then it's, Hey, am I am I the one? Yeah, Christian Gallagher in the chat from uh, Indianapolis is saying he's buying a house in Florida when he wins this contest. So, All right, so good luck. I Christian. know, a, I know, a, I know somebody that can help him with their mortgage. You do? Yeah. Who would that be? Hit me at Casey Herbis. All right, Casey cool. Herbis, we'll Rocket Mortgage. Uh, Casey, great to have you on the show. Great to have you in studio. Look forward to who knows? Maybe we we bring you on again after the Super Bowl. Talk about. What, let's do it always always enjoy you have, an, you have an open invite i always enjoy seeing my friends at benzinga so yeah don't whatever raz says don't listen uh, you have an open invite here on the show we know who runs the place you yeah, got it exactly all right casey herbis chief marketing officer of rocket mortgage guys go sign up for the squares rocket mortgage uh squares.com you can use the qr code you can use the link in the chat doesn't matter how you do it just do it all right thanks so much See you, casey talk to you soon Thanks a lot, guys. And all I all I heard from that interview was whatever Jason Razzing says, don't listen to him. That was my that was my biggest. That thing. was I did not say that. But you just said that. Thirty. Oh no, no, I said that I, was Spencer's takeaway. That was Spencer's takeaway. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I learned humans 
Humans only hear what they want to hear. <laughs> selective hearing, yeah. Spencer's got a bad case of selective hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jason's sitting about 20 feet from us, so we'll make sure that your, uh, no, your feedback was... No, I was just making a joke because uh, Jason uh, might say, tell Casey, no, you, you can't come to the office. You can't come on the show. But I'm telling Casey, this is Spencer, this is our show. Casey has an open invite. Yeah, he, he, he does. Uh, I was hoping Casey would be able to give us the final score of the game, but alas, I'll have to wait. Uh, you know what? I, I'll tell you, it's going to depend who's, uh, you know, who's in the game. But, I mean... You know, like my prediction, if you will, it's a Kansas City Rams game, and you know, yeah. I probably you probably you probably going to see the over under probably forty eight to fifty two, and you know, that could oh be God, a Rams thirty four twenty eight thirty four thirty one kind of game. You know, what was that? The Chiefs Rams game a couple years ago it's that like was on Monday Night Football. Fifty four, fifty one. You know, Stafford's. You know, if it's Rams, Stafford's going to see. Yeah, that was with Cam Goff. Akers is back. The, the Rams yeah. scored fifty points on the Chiefs with golf. Imagine what they're going to do with that. Uh, yeah. No, no knock in Big the, scores. The a lot of, we're going to be giving away a lot. Of, put it this way, I think we're going to be giving away a lot of money. This is. It's not going to be a nine to three uh, field goal fest. Wait, All right, well, you heard it here first. Chiefs Rams Super Bowl. Wait, I, I, have one last, I have a last right, question one last for question. Casey. Casey, since you have influence of the NFL, can we get the <laughs> NFL to push the Super Bowl back one week so it's President's Day weekend, and therefore we have off? Yeah, that's a great. Week. Actually, the Super Bowl is one week later this year than it right. traditionally is. I'm only asking but that's for more, one week. Yeah, that's, that's more because of the when the NFL added the 17th game, right? So it pushed it back one week, but uh, – We'll, listen, we'll see Roger Goodell here pretty soon, and uh, I'll, I'll take your suggestion and throw it in the box. Well, yeah. there's there's also another option here, Spencer. It's that you keep President's Day weekend, you keep that Monday off, but then you just also add the Monday after the Super Bowl off. Because, that should be a federal holiday. Exactly, and then we'll get two Mondays in a row off. Raz wouldn't like that, but hey. Um, the uh, the NFL, Goodell's got to have some 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 poll in, in Congress, right? We can, we can make that happen. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Thanks Love a it. lot, Casey. See you. Um, all right. Uh, hey, uh, we have our next guest lurking uh, backstage, and I, I'm, I'm, as I said, I've been very excited for it. Thank so yeah, um, really we're gonna uh, get Casey on. Uh, I'm sorry, we're get, gonna get Dean on in a second. Uh, thanks to Casey for joining us. What we're gonna do, probably, well, not probably. Uh, we have to wait till the till the game is set. But Aaron and I are gonna fill out our squares live on this show at some point in the two week uh, run up. We got to figure out when to do that, but we're gonna. Um, do our squares live and you all can do with us if you want. It's going to be fun. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's bring on Dean Christians, uh, an, an analyst at uh, sentiment trader. I've been following sentiment trader for a, a long time uh, on Twitter. They do some uh, really good stuff. And, and here's how I know they're good is because when you see other people that are smarter than you talking about them, that's how you know that they're good. Right. I see like other FinTweet accounts that I follow. Um, people like um, uh, Jake at uh, Economic, the, the guys at, at Ritholtz, right? Um, when they are talking about the, the data, the research that Sentiment Trader puts out, you know, it's high quality stuff. So Dean Christians is an analyst there. Let's bring him on this show right now. I'm going to give Dean uh, the special guest intro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dean Christians, welcome to the jungle. Hey, Spencer, how are you doing? Doing fantastic. How long have you been at Sentiment Trader? So just just a little bit over uh, a year now. Okay, um, awesome. Just so your so your listeners know, you know, I spent twenty years uh, working on the buy side for a uh, institutional money manager. And for for people who don't know, can you explain that what the buy side is? Uh, sure. Th th there's 
two sides to the business, right? There's the buy side and the sell side. The sell side is big investment banks like JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs. The buy side is uh, typically, you know, independent. Sometimes they're public companies, but um, uh, firms that manage money for either institutional or retail investors. And, and those, those firms may have mutual funds or it may just be via separately managed accounts. But uh, that's what the buy side is. It's, it's firms that manage money. And so you were you were on the buy side for you said twenty years, yes, yeah. And then, and then you made the pivot. Yeah, the, yeah. So I, you know, I'd been a uh, a subscriber of, of Jason's uh, years yeah. and years ago, and uh, you know, sort of my research sort of aligned with what you know how Jason researches the market, and uh, you know, I'd uh, like I said, I'd, I'd been working for twenty years on the institutional side, and and really just kind of wanted to do something different. So I, I you know, reached out to Jason, and, and one thing led to another, and uh, and here I am today. So. It's so been, let's talk. Let's talk about some of that research. I mean, like, like, how do you think? Like, what is your overall like philosophy, or, or how, as far as how you think about the the the, U, the stock market? In general? So I, I'm, you know, I sort of start with the big picture, top down view. Okay. You know, are we uh, in a bullish trend, in a bearish trend, and uh, you know, in a bullish trend, where do you want to be positioned, and in a bearish uh, trend, you know, how do you want to be positioned? Typically yeah. in a bearish trend, cash. Um, and, and you're just strategically, um, you know, looking for short opportunities. But but in a bearish market, you know, you want to be in cash. You're not going to lose money in cash except for, you know, obviously the rate of inflation. Um, but, you know, so start there with the big, big picture, top down view. And then from there, sort of have a, a bottom up micro, you know, where do we want to be positioned in terms of sectors? So top down, top down view of the markets. Um, are, are, are you are you looking at like fundamental uh, the fundamentals of each company? Are you looking at like uh, the, the you know what the bond market is saying? Are you, are you looking at signals from the Fed or economic data points and what what the what the jobs numbers was versus last month or GDP? Like are you, are you how like what kind of signals are you paying attention to and what do you what do you ignore? Right. So predominantly price. Um, ah. That's that is, you know, that's what we're looking at. That Look, that's not to say that we don't have models that use economic data or that use sort of the cross asset, you know, view of the market. Um, you know, hey, like you said, what is the bond market telling you? What is gold saying? Uh, but for the most part, I would say the vast majority of, of what we're doing is, is we're looking at uh, Price trends and sentiment uh, for the for the broad market. And, you know, typically when you say broad market, you, you mean the S and P five hundred. Um, you know, mm -hmm. of course, we're going to look at what's going on the NYSE exchange or the Nasdaq exchange, uh, but but nobody benchmarks to those. You know, you're traditionally benchmarked to the S and P five hundred. So we want to have a, a good fundamental understanding of of the price trend for the S and P five hundred, and and what is it telling us? You know, are the is the internal trend weakening? Is the internal trend uh, strengthening? Um, is price, is the index just completely ignoring what's going on with the internal trend, which is what we saw, um, you know, last year was, you know, we saw episodes of, of very weak internals, uh, yet it didn't matter because, you know, Apple and Amazon and, and the yeah. big guys were going up yeah. and it just didn't matter. So, you know, there's a fine balance um, that you need to have that, you know, you need to understand that, you know, yes, 
the more troops that are participating, uh, typically the stronger the market is, but that's not always the case. Okay. So I understand people use the S&P because people use the S&P. It's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. But how much stock do you put in the idea that at a certain point you have to account for the fact that the S&P 500 is so top-heavy that it, in some respects, is not necessarily a – a fair representation, a true representation of what's really happening out there. Do you have, do you ever have to account for that and like, and reframe that? Yeah, yeah, you do. So again, like I said, you know, <clears throat> we will look at other um, indexes like the S and P 1500. We have a, a, you know, a breath database for the S and P 1500 for the Russell yep. 2000. You know, okay. we, we look at the NASDAQ, we look at the New York stock exchange, but you have to be really careful. Okay. Because a lot of times, you know, the small cap stocks or the NASDAQ, which, you know, if, if your viewers have, you know, looked at a advanced decline line of the, of the NASDAQ, I mean, you know, it, it does nothing but go down. Okay. It's got a lot of junk in it. So you have to be really careful about the message that you get from a NASDAQ. Um, even, even the NYSE, you know, you have to be somewhat careful because it's got a lot of bond proxies. So, you know, you, you need to be mindful that, okay, well, if we've got an interest rate adjustment that's impacting these bond proxies on the NYC, it's, it's making the tape look weak, um, but it's not necessarily, the tape's really not weak when you're looking at just common stocks only. So, so yes, it's important. And, and what I've found historically is, is you really need to see the, the extreme situation. So like recently, you know, we've, we've been uh, quoted in the Wall Street Journal and, and we've talked about it, but, you know, the percentage of stocks on the NASDAQ in a bear market, you know, and that reaching levels, you know, that you haven't seen since like, you know, 2000, right. You know, so you got it, you got it, you got to, you got to look at it and say, well, is it really, really extreme compared to history? You know, and if it's not, then, you know, you, you have to give basically the market the benefit of the doubt um, wh when you're looking at that trend of the S and P. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, you, Dean, you're free to, uh, to share any charts you have, I, but I want to bring up a, a tweet of yours from shoot. What day was this from? Uh, oh, it was from um, Monday. Uh, you tweeted uh, for, for the first time in, in three years, or I guess four years now, your composite risk warning model has triggered more than half the components are now giving a signal. Um, explain to us what the, what this means. Yeah. So, I have a big trend model that I created that's called the tactical composite trend model. And this risk warning model is just one component of seven. Uh, okay. The tactical composite trend model has internal and external um, trend components. And so this is one of the uh, internal trend components. So it's looking at market breadth predominantly. It does have a sentiment uh, component in there. And it's looking for you know historically weak market breadth uh, when the S&P is hovering near highs. And so this model actually uh, moved to 50% on January the 13th. What we started, we, we started to see it rise uh, where, where more and more components were, were triggering risk off signals back in late November. It took a little bit of a pause. And then again, in early January, we saw another trigger. That last trigger, by the way, was a divergence in the advanced decline line on the NYSE. And that's what tipped the scales to where this composite risk model went to 50% of its components. Um, 
if you look two months forward, the median return is typically down 5.9% on the S&P. Uh, now, however, if you look at those red dots on the chart, you know, obviously you can see that this thing has triggered 50% or more of the components at some pretty scary times for uh, the market and future returns. Um, interestingly, that 5.9 drawdown two months later was met within literally a week. Um, you know, the market just fell out of bed. And, uh, and, and so we fell right through that median drawdown number. Um, but, but again, what this is just telling you is, is there's a chance that we're going to have mean reversion against the primary trend. Now, the primary trend is still up. So, like I said, the tactical composite trend model has a big picture, you know, uh, external price trend component. That is still positive. But this is just telling you, hey, look, be mindful that we could get a counter trend move. Now, one of the other components uh, in the TCTM is a composite recession model. Okay, that composite recession model is at zero. Okay, mm -hmm. so what we know here is, is look, you know, we don't have signs of a recession. Internal trends have weakened. Most likely it's due to this interest rate adjustment that we've had because the Fed has pivoted. Okay, and that has impacted, you know, NYSE exchange breath data, which which the model, you know, has more of that in it than it does, say, S&P data. And, and what we've got here is just, you know, a counter trend move. We don't have enough evidence here to say, hey, this is a big, bad bear market and a recession is coming. Could that happen a month from now, two months, three months? Sure. Anything's possible. Um, but as it stands right now, look, we've got a counter trend move. Um, we've already had a, you know, decent little 10 percent, 12 percent, if you're saying from peak to trough. Um, and, and that's what that, uh, what that tweet was again. Hey, look, a lot of people, you need to understand we tweet stuff. We're not going to tweet it the same day we're publishing it to our subscribers. You know, it's going to sure. come two, three, four, five days later, and we're never going to put the statistics in there. Occasionally we might put one, one off statistics in there. Right. Um, but for our subscribers, everything has stats behind it. that backs up why we published that research. Um, and before I forget, uh, because we are now uh, T minus one hour until the uh, Fed statement, uh, two thirty is the press conference. Of course, uh, Dean, do you pay attention? Are, are, are you a Fed watcher? Are you parsing through the press release and looking at the word change, or are you not about that life? No, but you know what? What I do um, do <laughs> is uh, you know I've gone back in history and. Yep and basically have a, a time series for every single Fed meeting going okay. back to the 70s. So what I can do is, is if the market goes up or down or does this or that, you know, I can go back through history and say, well, when it's done this in the past on a Fed meeting day, or when it's done this one day, two day, three days, or one or two days after a Fed meeting, you know, can, can we gather anything that's useful um, in terms of forward returns for the for the S and P or whatever market you want to measure, so yeah, I you know what? Look, I have you know we're, what we try to do is is avoid um, a subjective opinion. You know, we want to just take the data in and and you know analyze it and provide evidence based research to uh, to so our subscribers. That brings up a great point. Um, something that I've struggled with myself. Um, when it comes to um, you know investing, is actually making decisions because you end up spending you know weeks 
turning over an idea in your head, whether well, it's this signal and there's that signal, but but the but 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 the seasonality, but the but the interest rates, but but the trend, you know, so many things to to that could give you analysis paralysis. How do you avoid that? Well, you know um, what we do is we track everything. Okay, so um, you know Jason, Jay Capel, and myself are constantly publishing notes. And we track it. We put forecasts on it. And so, you know, what I can quickly do on the website is, is, is just look and see like, okay, well, look, you know, we just had 10 bullish risk on studies and, and I'm not seeing anything that suggests risk off or, you know, or vice versa. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a fine balance. Um, you know, what we found here of late is, you know, we're getting a lot of mixed signals. Um, the market's moving very quickly. And sometimes when that happens, you know, it's best to just take a step back, look at the big picture and say, all right, look, let's, let's, let's look at the big picture, you know, what is going on and, and then, you know, sort of reassess, you know, one, one of the things we, that the team was discussing uh, not too long ago was, you know, look, we had a bunch of risk on bullish for the market signals trigger there, you know, in late December. Uh, and the market reacted and went up a little bit. Yeah, right? but then I, it, I was hoping for more, Dean. Yeah, and <laughs> then and then it and then it completely stalled out and started mm -hmm. to reverse. So, so you know, the point I want to make to everybody is like, look, when you have bullish signals that don't work, that's a tell. The market is telling you something. Okay, it's not right here, and and you need to pay attention when that happens. And now and now it doesn't happen often. Okay. Um, but when it does, you, you really need to pay attention. Um, all, all that being said, Dean, like what, what is your general sense of where we're at? Really? Actually, let me more, be more specific. What is your, what is your, your, what was your take and what were your models saying really about the flush on, on Monday? We had that just wicked, wicked bounce and huge reversal after what was a pretty brutal week. And I get it. It's mixed signals. It's, very difficult to, to to tell here, especially now because we've rallied for two straight, three straight days. But like, what is your overall sense right now? So, I suspect that Monday was the internal low. Okay, so meaning yeah. we had capitulation where enough stocks made new lows, and and that's whether it's the Nasdaq or the S and P five hundred. Mm -hmm. That's probably going to be uh, an internal low here for for you know weeks and and you know, potentially months. Yeah. That doesn't mean we can't come back down and undercut that. But when we do, and, it, and if we do, we probably will see fewer new lows, okay? Because that, that reversal on Monday was so big that a lot of stocks lifted, you know? And so when we come back down, you're probably not going to see as many stocks making new lows. So that's a good thing. That's what we want to see. This downdraft of 10, 12% reminds me a lot of Volmageddon. Okay, you had the same thing where you were down about 10, 12% really quickly in a matter of days, right? And then you had a sort of a reversal bottom and then you lifted for, you know, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks. Uh, you know, look, it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't do the same here. The Fed probably comes out a little bit less hawkish today. The market continues to rally. And then we have some sort of retest probably, you know, in later in the spring. Uh, or early spring, you know, say, say March or so, uh, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But like I said, you know, when we have that retest and potential undercut, you know, 
I suspect we're going to see fewer lows um, than, than what we just saw. Uh, and for those who weren't around, what was Volmageddon? Volmageddon was was the January February uh, 2018 sell off. Um, was, was that was that when the XIV blew up? That one yes, that oh, was what XIV that was nuts. Blew up. Yeah, yeah, it it, it was. Um, and uh, so again, I think you know from a pattern analysis, you know, from what we've just seen, you know, look, you can, it's fun to look at these analogs, but, but, you know, at the end of the day, we want to be slaves to, to the tape and, and what it's saying. Um, but anyway, that, that looks some, w- w- the pattern here looks a little bit similar to that, All right. whether that plays out, who knows. All right. Uh, Dean Christians is a uh, analyst at uh sentiment trader. Uh, I put the link to, uh, his his Twitter uh, and to uh, their site in the uh, chat. Uh, Andy, why XIV was an inverse VIX ETN that literally blew up one day, right, Dean? It yes. Like, it was like, was it after hours? I don't even remember anymore. Uh, I think it, it started after hours. Um, it, it literally went to zero. Like, yes, it blew up. And, and, and it, you know, the funny thing about XIV because I used to trade it a bunch is. Oh yeah? When I looked at the performance of XIV from the 2009 low to basically, you know, kind of right before it blew up and, and went away, yeah, <laughs> it was the fifth best performing <laughs> instrument in the S and P 500. You know, I, I can't remember the exact number, um, but it was the fifth best performing. So, so you could have just bought volatility in 2009 and not worried about a single stock. And it had a return of something like 5,000%. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> now, it went to zero. You lost everything. But uh, it, was, it, was a, uh, it was a fun instrument to trade. And, and literally, it was like a, it was a market structural dynamics thing that called – that's what happens when you try buy instruments with, based on volatility is things going to happen like that. So you got to know what you're owning. But there are people that watch me that were like totally like, what is going on? This thing is going – and it went to zero. In one day, it went from yep. – you, you lost everything. It was pretty crazy. Um, anyway, Dean Creations, I put the links to his Twitter, to Sentiment Trader uh, in the chat. I would highly encourage everyone to give Dean a follow. Check out their service. They do some fantastic research. Dean, uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on. I would love to have you back. Um, maybe next time we can get a screen share, we can see some of the charts that, that you've got going. I, I, I see the Bloomberg flex in the background. Um, but, uh, have a good rest of your day. I will text you what Jerome Powell says, so you don't have to watch it. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Spencer. Really appreciate you having me on. All right. Have a good one. Cheers. Um, okay. We, I want to do a, a, a guess that chart. We haven't done a guess that chart all week. So we're going to do a guess that chart in, in a little bit. Uh, and we're going to have, a Jessica Kaler on from Elite Trading to give us some trades. Um, Aaron Bree's lurking in the background. He can come on whenever. Um, I'm finding, I'm figuring out a way to make my chart easier to read, so you all can actually guess the chart. So give me one, give me one second while I I make it a little bit easier for y'all. Um, all right, I think we're ready for a guess that chart segment. So here here here's the segment. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm going to throw up a chart of uh, a stock on Benzinga Pro, and you all are going to – oh, I could just do that. That's a much better idea. All right. Uh, I am going to leave the, the price axis up. That's what I'm, So I'm going to throw up a chart 
Uh, you're you're going to guess the ticker in the chat. The first person I see with the correct um, with the correct guess will win some free Benzinga swag. But you only get that if you email us. But yeah, you got to win first. So, uh, AB, you want you want to play guess that chart? I think he's uh, he's focused. I think he wants to play. You want you want to play guess that chart? I think you do. I think you do. Let's do it, yeah, Spencer. Let's do it. All right, I'm bringing up a chart of a stock, and uh, I, I've got the I, I've been doing these without the y-axis, but we're, we're going to keep the y-axis up here. And this is going back. Um, we're going back three years. We're going back to the start of 2019 on this chart. Boom. There we go. This is a chart of a stock that is real. That is at $104 right now. Do not cheat and like try to find quotes. Christian says he hasn't gotten his yet for real. Holy right. swag, is he saying? I guess so. What? She- Shelly, you definitely got yours. That was like a month ago. I actually don't don't know. That might that one might have been on me. Can can, can we? Oh my gosh! Can we? All right, we need to have a meeting about the about the swag giveaways after this. Clearly, because uh, AMD is incorrect. BX is incorrect. Wait, I'm trying to think. All right, so we're looking at a stock right now that's at 104. dollars It looks like pre-COVID, this stock was only at what 80, 70 dollars. So it's a stock that's higher oh than it was pre-COVID. It's not Unity. It's not you. It's not any of these oh big tech gosh. stocks because all the big tech stocks have had big drawdowns. We, we, we have a last... winner. We, we do have a winner. Oh, uh, CVS? It is CVS. Christian Gallagher. Okay. All right. Well, this is good because he's owed swag anyway. Well, so apparently he... they all are owed swag. <laughs> Several people. No, ask. Tried... there are some people out there that have gotten theirs. Uh, Jay Rice. I know, I know Jay Rice has gotten his, I believe. Uh, Born right. to be Free finally got his. Oh man! All right, I'm on top of it. I've just been, you know, Christian Shelley. I, I, I uh, that's on me. Apologize. And uh, on me. Okay, right, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna fix it, this. It, it is CVS. That is the 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 chart up on the screen. If you want me to prove it to you, I will uh, um, get out of the full screen mode. There it is. CVS Health Corporation. Um, so Spencer, what what are we looking for in the FOMC today? Because the the rate hikes are are already priced in, right? I mean, they're they're expected. Uh, a rate hike? Yeah, that that if we got that today, it would be it would be it, it would be very shocking. No, what we are expecting is for the Fed to stick to the script that they put out in December, which is um, we have uh, begun and possibly even finished our taper. Uh, our our slowdown of bond buying, we have potentially begun, and I say potentially because I don't know what they're going to say. Obviously, we have potentially begun uh, the, the the runoff uh, of of the balance sheet. Uh, and now that we're done with the uh, with the taper, we, it's time to raise rates. So you know we expect to raise rates here in the next couple of uh, couple of meetings. But we're going to remain uh, data dependent. Uh, the economy has recovered uh, to some extent. We are happy with that. Um, and uh, that's basically what it's going to be. That's, that's my guess. Yep. And just for everyone out there interested, we will be streaming uh, Jerome Powell speaking on Benzinga's channel. So just hang around after this show. Uh, you know, that will start up right at, is he speaking at 2 or 2.30, Spencer? It's 2.30. Never changes. 
But the, the so the minutes come out at two, and then the no 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 minutes. The statement comes statement out comes two. out at two. Yep. And then, and then he speaks at two thirty. Yeah, the statement is going to move the market, but the statement is not the interesting part. The press. So it's like it's like a, the company. It's like when a company puts out their numbers at right after the market, but then five thirty is when the guidance is similar, right? Hmm, it's almost like that. It's almost uh, like that, right? Like the, the first thing will move the market, but then what the market really cares about is what comes uh, after like that. that. Um, Dupre uh, did. Do yeah, I pray? Yeah, yeah, did no, you just ask? No, no. Dupre is in the chat. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dupre. That is exactly what the market is saying. If you look at the, uh, if you, here, I'll bring it up on my on my screen. If you go to the CMU's FedWatch tool, the market is saying eighty eight percent chance of a of a rate hike in March. The reason they're saying that is because that's what the Fed has indicated. Now there is also a five percent chance of a rate hike today, which again would be crazy, but it is within the realm of possibility. Let's not act like it isn't. But let me bring up uh, the CME FedWatch tool and make it way bigger for you so we can all we can all read this together. There we go. Uh, share screen. Ba, ba, ba. This is what the current Fed fund futures market is okay, saying. Okay, Darren, Darren in the chat's bringing up a good point. He says we'll get we'll get our knee knee jerk reaction right at two from the algos. For sure. For sure. If we if we get a drawdown, like if the market goes down right at two p.m., I might look at some calls because I like I have pretty high conviction that when Jerome Powell speaks, market go up. Uh, so that's just an idea. I'm throwing it out there. Might be how I personally play the meeting, but I'm not saying anyone else should do that. If y'all want to have some fun, um, come watch our live stream, our restreams of like macro of events like this, whether it's like the fed, uh, press conference. And tonight we're going to do Tesla earnings. Uh, we're going to stream their conference call. Uh, we did Microsoft last night. We'll do Apple tomorrow. Watch the chat. Watch our live chat. It is hilarious. Uh, and I'm, I'm not, deep, I'm not being mean. It's not, I'm not like trying to insult anyone or talk down to them, but like, it really is funny. People are, people literally just be like, stock go up. Why not go down? Please go up. They like, yeah, the mic, the chat in the Microsoft last night was awesome because it was so funny. Uh, it, was so funny. It, it looked really bad until Amy Hood, the CFO of Microsoft, came on and gave the guidance. And then all of a sudden, the stock uh, reversed. And, and Spencer, Spencer tried to trick me yesterday because he knew I had calls, and he was like, uh "Oh, the Microsoft went back down after the guidance." It, it was, it was tough. Yeah. So. Uh... FOMC stream today, Tesla stream tonight. Um, people are hilarious. Uh, oh yeah. wow! What do you? So what, what's your take on Tesla's uh, earnings, Spencer? What are you expecting? I mean, Tesla typically uh, beats, I, I haven't. and Tesla typically trades higher after earnings. Well, I don't um, know that, so I'm going to check the pro because I don't know that, that what that what you said is necessarily true. Let's confirm it. I mean, I I think it is. Let's confirm it. Let's go back to like 20. You know, let's go all the way back on, on, on Tesla. All right. Let's go look at the Tesla. The history of Tesla earnings reports. Do they come in above or below estimates? Uh, it's mixed, but usually above. Well, at but least more recent history. Look back the last eight quarters. It's what, seven out of eight have been beats. And what was it last? Elon Musk said he's not joining these calls anymore, right? Yeah, which makes it way less fun. I know it's more fun when you've got e Elon on there. Elon was going crazy on Twitter last night with the memes. He was dropping memes like every three minutes. It seemed like, dude, I, 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 I told you my hot take for the year, right? Is that by the end of the year he won't be the CEO of Tesla? 
Yeah, I, I think I, like I, I, I think I, every day it, it's like looking more and more like that is a possibility. By the way, I have another hot take that has nothing to do with the stock market, but if we have time today, we can we can get to it. But is it related to Barry Bonds? No, it's got nothing to do with sports or the market in any way, shape, or form. But uh, so what happened? Never mind. Oh, we'll, we'll no, get to no, it. no, no. Let's go on, go on. You can't do that. We well, gotta, no, so, I got to so, hear it now. So, so we had this 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 show earlier today. This list makers show. We were highlighting all the best alternative investment uh, companies out there. Companies that are giving you access to all investments, like startups, real estate, etc. And I got a, a, a DM from one of our viewers who said that he had invested in um, a project on this site called uh, that I think it was on it was on WeFunder, I think it was on WeFunder, which is um, uh, a, a platform for uh, startups. Uh, no, it wasn't, but it's regardless uh, erroneous. Um, the, he said he invested in a um, an animated feature film. Uh, which is what you can do. You, you can invest in like feature films uh, and help them get made. Um, and he invested in a film, an animated film on the life of David, as in like the Bible, David. Right. And um, that got me thinking. And I was like, there needs to be more, like there should be more A-list blockbuster movies about religion. I feel like, like we can get the origin story of the Ant-Man well, we can't get the origin story of Buddhism. What, that, what, what, what's the Mel Gibson one? The Passion of the Christ. Yeah, yeah, that, that was that, a big blockbuster that, movie. That, yeah, that was that was like twenty years ago. Prince of Prince of Egypt. Twenty years ago. Um, why? Are, why are you know? We're always saying that there's there, there Hollywood's not original. They're always recycling the same stories. Go to the OG story. I'm Bill Maher. Wondering. Bill Maher had one too. What? What? did yeah uh, but anyway why aren't there more like a-list blockbusters i want origin stories on king solomon i want origin stories on david i want buddhism i want hinduism i want all the religions give me the origin stories make it epic give me lawrence of arabia but about religion <laughs> give me that stuff that's what i want that's my hot take <laughs> Who's this guy walking in front of our camera? All right, Spencer, we've got uh, Jesse coming on. Jesse Kaler from tr uh, Elite yeah. Trading. We're talking some stocks, back to markets, uh, off of movies. But uh, I, told you, I, I told you it was off topic, but here we go. It's a, it's a hot take. I, I, I would imagine that the studios don't want to venture into anything that could be you know controversial. Oh, wait, wait. We, we, we did get Noah, Patrick is right. We, we had a Noah. I didn't see Noah. It had Russell Crowe. I didn't see it. So I can't oh, uh, the the uh, Jim Carrey movie. There you go. There's another one. No, that doesn't count. Bruce Almighty does not count. <laughs> yeah, Religious by uh, Bill Maher. It's kind of funny. I don't know. I actually, I don't really love that movie. It's like not anything fantastic. Whatever. Um, I I wonder what Jesse <laughs> thinks of all this. I don't know. Let's ask Jesse. Jesse's usually got some hot takes. Yeah, Jesse. Do we think there needs to be more? Like, I'm I'm talking like a list cream of the crop epic blockbuster you have to go to the movies to see it on the big screen yeah That's i think the mel gibson one is the closest closest one to what you're talking about and you're right that was 20 20 years ago yeah jesse do you agree with all this with this hot take um i don't know you know that stuff is a little <laughs> out of my wheelhouse but um That's fair. investing That's fair. in movies caught my idea i was like or caught my mind i was like that's a 
I want to look into that. I'd love to invest in some animated movies and yeah, um, get some good projects going. That would be something I'd be highly. Um, See, so I, I would imagine that a lot of these studios may have like pitched films that are in some ways like critical of certain things within religions that are then shot down, saying, "Hey, we don't want to, you know, look like we're being critical of, of anything that." Right, you know, would upset people. So I don't know. I mean, there, yeah. it would be hard to do it in a way. And then if you do it in a way that's like endorsing a certain religion, then you're pissing other people. Well, you did I have eight crazy nights for Hanukkah, so or for for the, uh, <laughs> the Jewish holidays. So you, you get you get Adam Sandler giving you some love. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Jews get the one. They they did make specific like Hanukkah movies on Hallmark the, and stuff this the year. I haven't seen the movie in a long time. Anyway, right, so um, what's great that I have to? What's going on right now that I have to go a little off topic? That'll go into topic is okay. Who Day Nation, baby, and you know, right. McFoot McPherson. I'm a Cincinnati local. You know, you guys know this. So I'm a right. I'm loving the Bengals uh, rally right now, and I think we could beat Kansas City just like we did at their house or at, at our house. And and you know, the, what was that score? We won by three. I think thirty four to thirty one. So prediction. Same score. I, I was thinking about thinking about people like you, and I was watching the game over the weekend, and I thought, man, it, it's been uh, it's been a pre, it's been hard being a Bengals fan for twenty years, but it, it's all worth it for last weekend, right? We've lost twice to San Francisco, and San Francisco's in this right now. They have a chance, and what would be the odds of the Bengals San Francisco third Super Bowl? I think that would be the the most hype Super Bowl in a long time. Jesse, I don't want to, I don't want to bum you out, but not hey man, I, I know, I know the Bengals beat the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. Burrow they got don't sacked ha- nine times and he still came back and won. Bengals wins. don't still, have still a shot in hell. Bengals are are two years away from even being able to think about competing with the Chiefs I in the playoffs. That's that's a realistic I, approach. That that's but, a little bit that's a little bit harsh, I think. But but I think that um, come on, don't be don't be waiting on Jesse's parade. Come on. Yeah, it's been really. No, I'm trying to help him out. I'm trying to help him out. I'm trying to. I'm trying to like reverse so, jinx. Ab, no. I'll, t- I'll take a a ten dollar bet right now <gasps> that that the Bengals will cover the spread of seven points. Whoa. All right, oh. deal. Deal. All right, you guys. Deal. You're it. you're you're a wow. Cincinnati, Ohio native. I'm a Missouri native. Um, I'll I'll Houday take the Missouri Nation. team. You take you'll. What's that? I said Houday Nation. I'll have the cigar lit when I sit with the picture when you. Then I'll send it. I to will you. say I, Joe Burrow is like the coolest. <laughs> He's he might be like the coolest guy to come in the NFL in the past. I don't even know how long. Joe Cool, man. That's Joe Shiesty. He's cool. He's just cool. There's no other way to put it. I mean, I knew right. after uh I actually was at an LSU game, LSU Rice, because my buddy, who's now the punter for for the Lions, played at Rice. And we went down to a Rice LSU game just because we're like, oh, it'll be fun to go to a game at LSU. Uh and Joe Burrow was the starting quarterback for the Tigers at the time. He was not a big name. And he actually, I think it was the year before LSU won the national championship. And in interviews after LSU won, he was like, yeah, that Rice game is where I really gained my confidence. Like, that was my first time throwing for 300 yards, like all this. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. I was there when Joe Burrow became Joe Burrow, according to Joe Burrow. I love it. I think it's great. (laughs) Now, going into some stocks, we have DraftKings, which... Um, in the pre-market prep, that was my stock of the day. It's the only trade I took today. And I said, you know what? I've been buying, I've been buying, I've been buying on the way down. Now, this is a trade that I can show you that doing it this way can kill your account, um, Mm -hmm. averaging down when you, but if you have diversity and you're talking, okay, this was a 10% position, 
that I continued to add to and created a little bit of a larger position, but I was in this thing at 50, right? Yeah. Originally. And I got my average down to below 20 before with this, with this last, uh, this last downside that we had, I was buying in the 19s and 20s all day. And then now we go up to the 22 mark is where I got out um, right around 2179. I call it 22 to make it easy, but it was like right around, right under 22. And I said, you know what? The way I did this was I kept my original portion, but I sold everything that I bought okay. underneath the price that it's currently at that I was selling. It, right. I got all, I got rid of all the shares that were profitable and I held the ones that I na- I was holding at 50. And, now I and, and you can do that. You just have to tell your broker. You got to be specific about it. You, right. Right. And you can do this to protect yourself in a lot of ways. It's obviously you're getting, you're getting the same shares you wanted to hold at 50 back now here at 21 or 20. And you make a short-term profit that is, if, depending on your, your share size is great. You know, it's a great trade. And then. I, I was just, just today was just one of those things where I, I've been wanting them to get a, a, at least some type of a, a of anything, some life. And I thought we were going to get one into about April. I thought, I think April is going to be, I think we're going to be higher than this in April on DraftKings. And that's the kind of play I've been thinking of. I mean, like I saw the story, the headline about when, when selling their online sports book. And I mean, it, it is very obvious that, the unit economics of this industry are very challenging right now. You have companies like DraftKings and Penn slash Barstool and MGM and Caesars, and they are spending out the wazoo, out the wazoo uh, to acquire customers. And Aaron Bree is trying to send me a message right now. What is he trying to say? He's he has to go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom, man. Why do you? Why do you? He's got a tinkle. What, what What are you talking to me for? I don't understand what that was about. <laughs> um, no, it, they're spending out the wazoo to acquire customers, and for it's not sustainable for everyone. Win is throwing in the towel, clearly, right? Um, but. It's a challenging environment. Is the market is is the is the sports betting market going to get larger? Yes, of course it will. Um, but you have what a half dozen major players, and it's a it's a freaking dogfight out there. And there's no such thing as brand loyalty. I've got four apps on my phone, you know, so right. I can uh, I can understand both sides. The the the, the pie is going to increase. But it is it's it's difficult. It really is difficult for these companies to to acquire and then to keep customers. And we're so early on. We, how long has sports betting been legal in in the U.S. You know, on a federal level, uh, what couple years? Two yeah. years? It's still so early. And right? I and and I can agree with that. But at this, you know, the flip side where I would let's just go with um, the attitude of of DraftKings. They are the face of online gaming when it comes if you ask if you ask 10 people um where where if you even if they've never bet in their life if you said hey where would you go and bet on football they'd say DraftKings. i would say majority would say DraftKings, and they would never say win gaming or or any any of these other mgn any of the other apps like even uh fanduel might be the second most likely but what what I mean is that they've really done well with their branding. Um, they're not the same as Penn in my idea of like how they're who's behind them and showcasing them. Um, but the the idea behind 
the 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 idea behind the gambling and the way that they're doing it now is i think that they're going to expand into other ways of gambling and like they have been like giving you more to bet on um they you know going to the casino is much more fun to be able to gamble on the games while you're watching them live in front of you and you can bet on whether the the quarter can be flipped um yeah. what whatsoever those little things i think if they keep on adding they keep on doing it now acquiring customers i mean do they have potentially get to a point where everyone's downloaded the app and then they've either used it and lost and then now you've got your regular gamblers and is it really is there a lot of professional gamblers successful i mean that there's what do they you know but the, the advertising money things like that i don't know well okay i'll just say i mentioned this on monday but i was on the DraftKings app uh on sunday night i was i want to see if there's any any bets i can i can make at halftime of that game or whatever and um you know there's that there's that blackjack pop-up and i always close it out but sunday i was like you know what let's play some blackjack and uh that was a dangerous thing to do um i i don't know part of me like i don't what about I, video I, dealer like live dealer in front of you and you could see yeah. her dealing the cards out for you would that would that make you feel more comfortable than and you're well, playing with people with a lot like this me and you and four other guys at a round table with mics you got video and, yeah. you can sit, and you could be in there playing at a casino live. I, I don't know. Like, I'm just like, I've always thought that the like, gambling and sports betting is sort of the one vice that I like, that I would, I know myself well enough to know that I, I, I don't, you know, like alcohol enough to like drink a lot or I don't, I don't like drugs enough. You're to, not to buying do, tap to do a lot of drugs, but I like gambling. And so I could, like it, I, it's a line I have to draw with myself because I, I spent 20 minutes last uh, on Sunday night, uh, 10 minutes playing blackjack, whatever. And, you know, it was too much fun. So I like have to like stop myself a little bit, but um, um, it was, it, it was, it was, yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that story, but, but the point is DraftKings, they got me eventually. They got me. All right. <laughs> they tried to get me every time I log into that app. It's hey, play blackjack. And I was, every time I'm like, no, no, I don't want to play. Well, it's in me. my blood too. I was they born in me. Vegas, raised on the yeah. horse track. Kind of like Joel. I'm a big horse guy. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not nearly as educated on the names and the jockeys and how many furlongs they won by. And yeah, he might. He knows all the statistics. But I. I'm a big fan of. Um, we have Kentucky Derby right next door here in Ohio. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, all right, all right. So besides DraftKings, yeah, uh, uh, BYD boy, going. To, I'm going to transition to them. That's another okay. one. It's, all right. I know it's on the same thing, but this is just this was my feel for this three month kind of I you know just a trade, and it happened a lot quicker than I thought on the DraftKings for where my position was. And the but on board gaming, here's your weekly. It's been in consolidation for weeks, right? More it's, than that, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, for a while, yeah, but um you're finally getting some life here from 55 all the way up to 61. So now are you chasing in my opinion? Yes. So this is where I wouldn't say, Hey, go jump into these stocks and go buy them. They're just ideas. You know, there's trade ideas of that. I've seen that were in favor. And I think as the spring gets here, we get warmer. We have more gambling, more sports betting going out. We've got more, more people going to the racetracks, things of that nature. These will be back in favor again. What, do you have a, a level? Do you have a stop? Do you have a target on the upside or the downside? I mean, how, how are you um, approaching this? 
on on board gaming it was strictly just a i took a small three percent kind of two percent like, i think it was like 2.8 percent okay. and just bought okay. just bought a small portion just said you know what i'm just going to look at this in five years okay. and think that and think that you know I, it might be better right. now in three months that's the uh, that's the way i take the trade but in, if i get an alert because i said alerts that are ten dollar increments above where i'm at because a lot of times i'll take that ten dollar win and i'm like you know what i'll just put that money into something i have more conviction in um but i'll set the alerts above me at ten dollar intervals sometimes five and i'll hit that alert it'll ding my phone and say hey you know this stock hit this level and at least gives me a chance to look at it and see should i shave a little bit off should i take a little profit off even though this was a 10-year plan what's my 10-year plan do i want to do I think this this company's be be over sixty two? That's the ten year plan. I think it's to be higher than where I bought now. I don't really know where it's going to be target wise. It's just whether do I think it's going to be higher in the end. Do I think this company's going to succeed and still be here? And the technology behind it, I haven't. I've done you know decent amount of research on Boyd Gaming and what they do, and they're like the thing behind the thing. Um, they're the ones that are kind of gaining contracts, and they've done really well throughout their the way they're doing their digital, like, like a software and things of that nature. Um, hey, you look, you, you're, you're making the call. It's very difficult to buy on the way down. So you're making is. the call. It so, is now, so other than that, I mean, the whole market was green. So everyone was waking up happy unless they were um, not averaging down or buying on that dip because you, I think I, a few people in our discord, they were saying, you know, yeah, I'm green today, but I, I had a lot more red before this green over the last month. And, mm -hmm. um, I don't like to say, Hey, I'm doing great. Or I'm doing better. My portfolio is up like 1.9% for the month. So it's Ooh, a very slow grind, but I'm diverse. You know, I have a lot of different things going on and I also day trade a few times a day to make sure that I can counteract some of those long-term losses if that, or yeah. in the long-term portfolio. So it's, you got to take the wins when you can during the day and then try to look for what's moving. The best tool for me is just waking up and looking at the, what's moving in the market and what do I like? What, what stocks do I watch? What do I see daily? And, and look at like the one that I've really been looking at a lot that I haven't touched is Amazon. And I just, I can't believe how bad they beat this thing down. Every, every time that that happens every time it's mm -hmm. like, you know, people, the Fang stocks will will get a hit, and then people will wake up out of their stupor, and they say, "Wait, wait, 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 wait! We're talking about Apple here. We're talking about Amazon. We're talking about Microsoft, Google. Do we forget that these companies make more are worth more than the GDP of many countries for a reason? Right. You know, so twenty four hundred level was a level that I've been watching for. Um, Amazon, if it was ever reached there, I have a alert there, but, um, this pullback, it, it looks so, especially for the options contract, the calls are just demolished right now for a long, if you bought a December call right now, I know it would be really expensive, but if you bet, if it was, you took it, this is a bet, you know, if you take a bet and you're like, you know what? Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I'm going to take an in-the-money position right here at 2800 on them and, and just hope that they get... If they get a 50% rally in the next five months of this previous retracement, you just go back up to three grand. That thing's going to be triple, quadruple, you know, some crazy amount of money. And that's where I, I hate to say those things because I won't do them nine times out of 10, but every now and then I'll take a stab. And this one I've been really looking at taking a, a stab at. And because of the intrinsic value and the extrinsic value, I mean, it, it is just the implied volatility, things of that nature. It's completely just demolished these contracts. and sometimes you can get some really quick gains and that's when you look at maybe are that when they get to oversold territory they get to a, 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 the bottom of a lot of your indicators that you use whoever whatever indicators people are using and you buy at the right moment but or just to, you know buy a share if you have a small account and and let it run up a little bit for you but that's one i've been watching um what else if you have, if you have any tickers you have any questions for jesse you know, holler at us, drop it in the chat. Jesse can give his take if he has one. Um, is that X going to give it to you? No, sorry. Oh, I like X um, a okay. lot for just kind of a, a long-term play. Um, short-term LPI, I know there's a lot of haters in the... Uh, I don't even know what that is. Petroleum so. industry, Laredo Petroleum. Um, it's just whenever I go into the oil sector, I like MRO, Laredo... Um, I'll trade gush, you know, obviously, um, just for a day or two, nothing, no, never want to hold it. But, um, this is just another, you know, I'm looking at the gas pump. It's going up again. Um, it's going to be harder to get oil during a war. So that's something I'm putting into my, my mindset. And obviously the, I hate to say the word war, but if we get a, into a, um, extreme discussion with Russia and things of that nature. That's kind of on my mind of what would affect what stocks would be affected, like missile defense and uh, nuclear things of that nature that might be affected. So I've been looking at a lot of different um, companies that have to do with war. And these ones have been pulling up on a lot of um, people that I follow. I watch you know, a lot of different YouTube and just Twitters and things like that. And I find these, starting to spark up and people talking about these different companies. And they're just ones that I've had written down over the last two weeks. And um, I was watching it today. 
you know, and over the last on the daily chart, looking at how it went from 60 to 7384. I mean, that's a $13, $14 move. And um, somebody likes it right now. Uh, let's do some tickers from the chat. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan asked about uh, BBIG. He asked if you had thoughts on, on that squeeze. Jonathan, I don't think this was a squeeze. If you're referring to today, I'm not, well, maybe he's, maybe he's referring to, uh, yeah, if you're referring to today, then that wasn't a squeeze. I mean, this is a stock that's in a massive downtrend. And frankly, this company is, 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 is kind of a, kind of a joke. I'm just going to say it. It's kind of a joke. They, we've had them on our show. They say things, they give timelines and those timelines do not get, 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 get stuck to, um, I, I, you know, um, for whatever reason, people are in love with this stock. Why? Cause they're like the next TikTok or something. But I mean, there's a reason the stock is $3, right? There's a reason it, it it's down 75% from its, from its highs. I mean, we try to get them back on our show. They won't even come. I mean, they're like not doing any press right now for whatever reason. Uh, um, oh, sorry, Jonathan. Uh, oh, you mean it's going to squeeze? That's what Jonathan is thinking. Anything is possible. Maybe it goes back to 12. I don't have, I, I have no idea. I just know that this company is, um, my honest opinion, my opinion of, the, of this company is not very high. Uh, so I'll touch a little bit of this because it sounds like, you know, most people that I've talked to, they're looking at this are probably new to trading or just, haven't done a lot of educational program, you know, just to learn, like right now, look at the technicals. What do you guys see? Do you see a top here? You see a top here and you see a top here. So what does that mean? It, what do I see? I see, okay, it had a squeeze. It ran up for whatever dumb reason. And then it dropped and it found some type of support, which will become resistance in the, in the future. And, or sorry, some resistance that'll become, that'll break through and look for a downside move. So you, I don't care about this one so much, but what I do want to show you is, is look at the, the, the amount. If you're just kind of looking at this as a, a layman's term, this, this is your top here, your top here. It's about a 50% of this previous move. Well, look what happened again. It came right back up and look where this resistance that I said will become resistance. Watch scroll right across, right? Resistance. So now what do you think this one's going to be your new resistance after you get some confirmation? So you're going to get a flush through. It's going to come back and it's going to find this mark and it's going to break through. And this stock won't be talked about for a while until something weird happens again. That's exactly right. It won't be talked about until something weird happens again. Uh, I'm sorry if anyone is, is underwater in this thing, but I mean, Harsh realities. Buy, buy companies on on fundamentals. Buy, don't buy them on a hope. Um, yeah, I mean, if you use this, per, if you use the products in your company or your, those are the things that I ask you. I'm like, the, not, the very first question I ask them when they go, should I buy this stock? I say, do you use any of their products? Do you already invest in them in some sort of way? You're, if you're an Apple buyer, you buy phones, your whole family has Apple, then, you know, maybe that's what my wife, she wants, I'm going to set her up an account and she wants to, I'm going to start doing some trading with her and teaching her a little more just because I want her to be more mm -hmm. financially independent. And I think that she might make some better decisions than I am or than I do. That's because she's a woman and women make better Different decisions. Different decisions, right? And I said, pick what you, first thing she says is Apple. She's like, I want to buy Apple. I was like, why? She goes, because I have everything Apple. That's not even a bad reason. That's like the best reason to get your foot in the you're door. You're already spending money with them, so you might as well get a dollar back, right? If, you, I, right, if, exactly. if they do make money off of everybody exactly. else. You know, That's what like, Peter but, Lynch said. That's literally what Peter Lynch said. Buy what you know. You know. Um, 
What else? A couple more. I mean, here. look at Raz. He's he's put, invested a lot of money into different uh, programs, software, and, and things that you guys use. I'm sure at Benzinga, like the different type of um, companies that you guys are using as a day for a daily to get things done. I'm sure there's been some investments in there, even with some of you guys. I'm sure you guys have never never even heard of some companies, and then they come help you do something, and you're like, wow. I need to learn more about these companies and like what they do. The thing behind the thing that he always talks about. Right. Yeah. Joe, Jesse, I, sorry, go ahead, Aaron. I have a quick question. Uh, something kind of general about options. I don't know if you, if you, um, you know, are, are going to be like familiar with this or able to answer it, but if you are, I'm, I'm, I'm more than willing to learn. Um, do you ever roll option contracts over? And if so, like when is that a, a something you you would look at doing? Do you mean roll them over as in like you own them, you're in the money, and you want to continue to hold that same option for a longer expiration? Correct. Okay. So, no. Nine, t- I mean, I've never done that. I've always just sold options when they're profitable or at, a, at a, my stop price. I always put them a stop. Typically, the way I'll trade them, I'll say, okay, I want to buy this at a support level. Let's see where the um, option is trading at this certain time. Just a quick, and if it's, if you get a, a exuberance to the upside, then I'll usually buy that um, contract or to the downside. If I'm buying a call, I want to look for a downside move and wait for that premium to get driven down to a level that I feel of support. And then I'll buy in and then I'll usually sell on that next candle up at 20, 30%. Now, okay. sometimes I'll let some ride over, you know, a week, but I never, I never hold an option to expiration because I was taught to sell options before buying them. Yeah. And I made a lot of money selling options. So if I feel that I was making more money selling options and buying, that means because they were expiring worthless, I don't want to be a holder of an option till ex- expiration. So I typically will just sell early and buy something further out, out that's dated, you know, longer at a support level on a longer. Got time. it. And, and we do only have a couple of minutes here, but I was going to just going to say real quick, the reason why I asked is because I, I pulled up my Robin hood and I got a pop up so- about, about, uh, <laughs> about rolling my options over. So I have this Apple call that I bought yesterday. We can see total return 117%. It's a 167 and a half call that expires expires this Friday. But there's this new option here, which hasn't been on Robinhood before, roll this position. So I can look at the same option contract, 167. I can look at any of them, uh, 167 and a half for the one that expires next Friday instead of this Friday. And instead of... $266, $266, I'd pay the difference between the contract that I hold now and I'd pay $95 to, to then buy this contract for next week. I will let you know, I did. Uh, I had three contracts uh, on this Apple one and I sold two of them. So I, I've, I've scaled out. I, I sold two, made my money back, letting this one kind of ride because I, I just want some skin on the table in case uh, you know the market absolutely rips when Powell speaks. So then I'll, I'll say, okay, at least I, ha- I held on to one of the calls. Um, but I did sell the majority of this position. Now, what if you believe that it could rip, why wouldn't you just buy something that's like next week for a longer expiration so you're not getting killed by the time decay in the next two days? So the theta is going to – look at the theta. Whatever that theta is, you, you're guaranteed to lose that at 4 p.m. On Friday, you're saying? No, today. You're going to lose that on your, your – your contract's going to immediately be worth less – whatever the theta is, if it's 0.43, you're going to be down 0.43 on that contract tomorrow morning when you wake up if the stock is completely at zero, like if, if it, it doesn't move at all, if it doesn't, if it's, if, it, if it opens up flat and it hasn't moved up or down, you're going to be down that theta instantly on that contract tomorrow. So if it's, it. yeah, so that if it's would up, be, that is smart. So if it's up a dollar, 
and your delta is 50 and your theta is 30, uh, 25, then it has to be up a dollar 50 to counteract that theta and or and your 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 delta there. So it's got a Oh my god, look at this. Hold on. Just in the last minute, something something something's going on, right? We see this spike in uh so it's, two o'clock. it's 2 o'clock. The FOMC thing is out. All right. See we you, got, Jesse. Oh, my gosh. We're going to say bye to Jesse and say hi to Jerome. Hi to Jerome. Well, not yet. Jerome's in a half hour. We got we got to say hi to the roadmap. The roadmap is going live. We're talking NFT winter. Burr. I don't know. The Fed statement is just out. Hey, they left rates unchanged. Shocker. Not a shocker. Wait until 2.30. That's when we're going to get the real, the real fireworks. But we got to wrap it up. We're going to redirect to the roadmap, our NFT show. We are going to be streaming the press conference in a half hour, so stay tuned for that right here, youtube.com slash Benzinga. We did, we did a kick Jesse, Jesse out. Uh, sorry, Jesse. We yeah, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't give Jesse a proper goodbye. Thank you, Jesse Kaler from Elite Trading for joining <laughs> us. I'll drop the link to his Discord in the chat. We love having uh, Jesse on. If Jesse's still out there, we, I don't know who was that. You Spencer that just kicked him out without. Hey, we gotta go. That Fireworks. was mean. That was mean. I'm sorry. That was mean. No, no. That was mean. All right. They're talking to NFTs on the roadmap coming up now. Stay tuned. This stream will automatically redirect you. We'll be back tomorrow, 1130 a.m. Eastern. Until then, happy trading. Yeah, Jesse, we we didn't want to throw you to the car. We love you. (laughs) Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.